They did a tour with, what was it, Boys to Men, and she went and saw them with some friends. See, you really are needed at the trivia nights. We lost because we had no reference for shitty music. (laughs) We really didn't. Actually, yeah, the the, the last time I was there, there was a question about a Keith Urban album. I was the only one. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) He's in the news recently because, like, the Obama administration just passed a thing to ban the importation of of ivory completely. And so that means including, like, old guitars and stuff that have got ivory inlays. And so Keith Urban. Urban's out there talking about, like, well, I won't be able to go overseas anymore. And I'm told that people overseas are okay with that. Wait. What? (laughs) God damn it. Oh. David pulled out his E.T. again. Hey, guys. E.T. meaning extra testicles. Hey, hey guys. Um, I I don't know if you've realized, but Gabe's with us today. If you're wondering why talking was so much. (laughs) So much. <laughs> it looks like he's throttling a brown penis right now. This is eventually. <laughs> I wish you would, Evan Turner. Fuck off. Oh, Evan Turner. That's a Pacers reference for all the folks who don't know that Andrew and David are at practically every home game for the Pacers in no, area. I, I've been to when you can book our tickets. Games. He actually has tickets. Yeah, he has yeah. tickets. <laughs> David just mooches a little yeah. bit. Well, wasn't that offered? No. I feel like, I feel I like the, that mooching. I feel like the hipster Pacers oh, uh, fan because I took Andrew to a game uh, last year. We should talk about mooching because, uh, like, uh, some people who use like HBO Go were bitching. Like, keep in mind these were like uh, they're not paid customers. Yeah. Well, which I was trying to do the same damn thing with them, but Comcast is a bunch of. Assholes. I was no, amazed well, at how quick White House was. It was a yeah, three yeah, minute process to get me but, HBO um, last night. But uh, Comcast, like I, I read like an article, like uh, this is like back in October. Uh, Comcast and looking at uh, like a separate deal, like with HBO, would go like a separate subscription fee to pay, where you like you know, you know, kind of purchases HBO subscription. Oh, good. Oh, good. see, that would make me. That would be I amazing. Just, I just want to be able to get HBO like Netflix. And not have to deal with the rest of it. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> let's be honest, like there are, it's not even Game of Thrones. Like I really wanted to see Veep. Like I watched Veep's first season. I really like it. I thought it was funny. I, I haven't seen the newsroom. I didn't get to see True Detective, and so yeah. I'm behind on all of these really amazing bits of popular culture. You can buy them. I don't. I can. Well, I am a broke ass nerd. I would yeah. prefer the six dollars because I'm already paying for Netflix. I'll pay six dollars or seven dollars for this, and I've proven mm. it. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, before we uh, dive right in, um, you should hit the space bar and go grab a beverage. Yes. Is that what you're asking Sounds about? Good. <laughs> and All then right, grab guys. another one for me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, me? Yes, sir. Right. I brought the beer. At least you can do is fit to me. Fit to See, me. that's why David gets the fancy right. title. That's why you're the, what is it, director of digital media? Yes. Well, the director of digital media needs to go title, get three. Uh... I have a title. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I do. Oh, I do. okay. I was about to say. No, it's what I put on my business card because <laughs> I'm allowed to give myself a title. So in your next job review, you can explain that what it means is that you get beverages and press the space bar. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. All right. Yeah, hit it. Awkward place to start. Why did you? Damn it! That's what she said. <laughs> they're gonna be so fast. Like they they listen to our, our music and they're gonna be so fascinated with with me talking about through streets downtown. <laughs> but little known fact, David actually sets me up for failure. I do. Yeah, I do. Well, uh, hi everybody. Welcome to Kind of Epic Show. I'm David Gilman. David West. 
Andrew Crowley. And Gabriel Canada. If you didn't know that. <laughs> um, Gate so. Canada. Gate Canada. <laughs> I do. the hockey hullabaloo. And that bitch and Murray, too. Did you say Gay Canada? No, no. Gay Canada. Jeez. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. Well, Canada is a the country. They have uh, yeah. free health care, Neil Young, uh, yeah. Tim Hortons. What's up to like? <laughs> Robin Sparkles. <laughs> um, we, so don't, anyway. we don't talk about Robin Sparkles. The first rule of Robin Sparkles is that we don't talk about Robin Sparkles. She She's too much of a, of an open wound on the Canadian psyche after after the Canadian Super Bowl. So we just had a pretty good weekend of, you know, tremendously nerdy stuff to talk about. Can I, can I interrupt you for a second? What? This is episode 99, by the way. Oh, so next one's the... Yeah, this is one. episode 99. We got 99, prob- we got 99 podcasts about a bitch eight one. Hit me! No. 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 Not, not even I. And can, I was at the Bonnaroo. Can you not to do that again? <laughs> I can promise I won't. You had a beer. <laughs> yeah. But I've been to a lot of hip-hop lately, so fuck you. Yeah. Next will be good. You know, I, I, promise, I, I can promise I won't quote Jay-Z, but, you know, Wu-Tang Clan and Tribe Called Quest are still up in the air. Oh, I can't understand Jay-Z. I love... <laughs> like, he... I don't know. I feel like he mumbles through his stuff. Who? Uh, Jay-Z. It's just... I don't know. I can't... Speaking I remember liking him in high school because of the nickname, the Hova thing. Speaking <laughs> of Jay-Z, did you see at a recent basketball game, he was wearing a medal that was anti-white? It was a... Uh, what? Uh, yeah. What does that mean? Well, there's a medallion <laughs> that was of uh, an anti-white group, which I thought was... What are they called? I don't know the name. I just thought it was odd. The Klaxons? I'm just... Uh, the, the anti-white group, what does that the mean? The Saltine exactly? Police? <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> Let's, let's move on to another topic quickly. Okay, okay. We have, like, we, yeah, we're yeah, going to try yeah. and condense this into an hour, and so I already well, know there I, are uh, interview well, segments, sir. Well, well. Okay, anyway. Who's any- going to condense Cap into an hour? Yeah, like, we can do, like, that's the thing. We could do an hour-long Game of Thrones podcast, an hour-long Captain America podcast. I don't know if I could do an hour-long Game of Thrones podcast. You might be able to do an hour-long Game of Thrones podcast, but I don't know. Oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah, we just buried the lead there, but yes, obviously these are the two lead topics yeah, are yeah, yeah. Captain so, America is our lead topic yeah. yeah and if we don't move on from Captain America but so yeah Captain America the Winter Soldier is probably in my opinion the greatest superhero movie made since the Dark Knight and it, it shares a lot of aspects with the Dark Knight in my opinion as well because even explosions though, well even so well, like Captain America and Batman are sort of on opposite sides of the idea of like uh, the 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 main idea behind Captain America 2 is the fact uh, that we're portraying our sense of privacy and freedom to fear and allowing that to take over our lives and Captain America is essentially fighting against that Batman in the Dark Knight was all about using fear, and he actually did create a program that allowed Tapped him to into use every yeah, cell phone. Yeah, oh, he used, think about that. yeah, he used every cell phone in Gotham to. Let's, let's be honest. He, he called it Bat Sonar. <laughs> like, just because Morgan Freeman calls it like Bat Sonar doesn't mean that the NSA wouldn't call it the Prism Program. <laughs> it, it's interesting you bring up them being on opposite uh, sides of the spectrum uh, because if you think about it, you know they're. Politically, they're very different. Like you know, uh, it's like Superman, Batman. Batman is kind of like you know the conservative ideal in some way. You can read them in that way, like you know, uh, you know, uh, fascism, private enterprise. Yeah, I mean that, that private enterprise. You know, solving you know problems rather than government. 
and Captain America, like, you know, uh, like, I read, like, an interesting uh, blog article about, like, talking about how, like, you know, people, like, you know, why is Steve Rogers so accepting of, you know, different races and cultures, but they point out that, you know, he grew up in New York in the 40s as an artist, well, you know, 30s, uh, yeah, the 30s, uh, as, an, uh, as an artist, and, like, you know, uh, during the new, like, you know, Probably would have been, Renaissance. Uh, well, not so much because you know. Langston Hughes Pier would have been. Yeah, like but a decade he, he wouldn't really be involved with that. I mean, he went to. He probably like they said he would probably go to City College, uh, which was like eighty uh, percent uh, Jewish students. Uh, but they talk about like you know him being like you know uh, some of the immig- immig- second generation immigrant family. Uh, Don't forget that, the the war itself. Can as I well. speak? Oh, of course. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but like you know uh, that yeah. Uh, more than likely, he would be like a you know Roosevelt New Deal Democrat, uh, you know, it was, maybe it was socialist leanings like get like the Diego Rivera you know uh, murals, things like that. We have nothing to fear but the Red Skull. <laughs> so, so like, uh, it, and also like it makes sense because you know Cap kind of comes from you know an impoverished background, mm-hmm. and you know Bruce Wayne, you know, born of privilege. Yeah, he just said his parents killed in front of him. I've never <laughs> identified with, with him for that reason, because it really is his power is to be a billionaire. Mm-hmm. You know what? If I was a billionaire and my parents died, I'd get over it because I'm a billionaire. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. Kind of makes it better. <laughs> Darkness! No parents! But it, it kind of makes sense that, like, you know, uh, because, like, you know, Bruce Wayne, like, you know, after his parents being killed, you know, when he was used to, you know, having, you know, some semblance of control, like, you know, everything was, you know, in his hands, but, you know, that's the ultimate loss of control with Steve Rogers, you know, lots of bad luck. I mean, depending on the origin, you know, his father either, you know, dies, is an alcoholic or dies early, and his mother dies of tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. I heard there was an interesting run where the government had, like, white, because they want to pr- pr- go after that, like, white toast persona that, that Cap is sometimes derided for being the big, well, I mean, Soup is the big blue Boy Scout, but it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, like, like some people consider Captain America earnest, to be a Boy Scout. Although he's not. I mean, I think that's the strength of these movies is that he certainly hasn't been. He's mm-hmm. he he's has, killed people. He's killed people. I mean, there was apparently like a, a bad run in Marvel where they tried to pretend like he hadn't killed anyone in World War II, which is a really <laughs> dumb idea. And there was another bad Marvel idea where they had like the government, well, it was inter- actually interesting, I shouldn't say bad idea, where they had pretended like they'd wiped his mind and given him fake identities. They'd given him, essentially created like a Steve Rogers that was like the perfect American ideal or something, and then he understood the he remembered what his real, what his real, uh, what his real background was. Yeah, but the interesting thing about Captain America killing people is that he'll stop himself from doing so. I I read something where somebody, yeah, somebody specifically mentioned how, you know, Captain America fought Winter Soldier because he needed to save people. He didn't want to fight Bucky, but he did it. Because he he needed to save people, but once he knew that everybody was saved, the helicarriers were mm-hmm. crashing. He stopped. He wasn't going to fight his friend. He mm-hmm. let him beat him to a, like his face looked fucked up. Yeah. I think we're skipping um, because we're talking about like the thematic elements. Maybe we should turn back. Obviously, we're going to have a spoilers tag. This is going out almost two weeks after. We and so we always about always talk about spoilers. <laughs> it's just it's just the thing we do on this podcast. But let's talk about like the actual. Let's take a moment to re- rewind things and talk about the actual structure of the movie and the plot here because we're talking about well, Cap- we're, Cap- we're, we're assuming theme. that people have seen the movie. Uh, yeah, but uh, going back to what I was saying, uh, thematically it is kind of similar to the Dark Knight. Well, not thematically, but creatively, uh, they chose not to make a Captain America movie first. They made a political thriller. It just happens to have Captain America in it. Yeah, and and this, but haven't they done it with so all well. the Marvel movies though? Like chosen as genre, essentially. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, Iron, that, Man that's, is, that's Iron Man is Kiss Kiss Man. Bang Bang or Lethal yeah, Weapon. Yeah, I mean that is a, yeah. a particular type of action movie. Mm-hmm. Thor is a big fantasy thing. Yeah, and this was a political thriller. But they I think were it's more prominent in yeah. this one, more so than the others. Thor still feels like a superhero movie to me, mm. and uh, along with like The Dark Knight, it was definitely a crime movie. Before it was a Batman movie. Yeah, it, it just had so a guy dressed up like a bat and a guy. Yeah, it's put, a it's a mob like movie a that just happened to have Batman, and mm-hmm. I think that's what works so well with the Winter Soldier, because it was this great giant story, but with Captain America, mm-hmm. and I think that's what works so well. Well, I, th- I also think Captain America allowed them to sort of get away with some of the more seemingly ridiculous aspects of the movie too. It's like it's a political thriller, but it also invites like. The assassin has a giant cyborg arm, and but it's yeah. no, it but so well. Like, they never no, address but, it. No, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's just there. It, they don't. It, it, they don't try and talk like bob, gobbledygook science. Mm-hmm. They don't try and like say these developed the ice crystals to freeze this man. Well, yeah, they, why just, they do in the first one? Oh, well, yeah. They just they allow it to happen. They they respect the audience enough to understand this is the universe we're yeah. in. The tech's already there. We've already yeah. seen a man in a flying robot suit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I think, like, with regard to, like, the first one, like, uh, I think, because it, it fit the tone, like, that was, like, almost like, you know, throwback adventure, almost like, because... Uh, yeah. The 80s adventure series. Or, or, like, the Rocketeer, which uh, yeah. Joe Johnson also directed. Yeah, yeah. So you have to have, like, you know, that wacky, you know, 40s, you know, super science uh, with, you know... Uh, yeah. Vacuum tubes and shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we take a moment to praise the the thing that gives the film, I think, the most credibility, which Danny is Pudi? what? <laughs> <laughs> Danny Pudi. Danny Pudi. But um, speaking of the, this is a brief aside. Uh, Easter lot, eggs. Let's talk about the of, Easter there's eggs. There's a lot of fun. Uh, there's a lot of fun uh, background stuff. Like I noticed, uh, there's a scene in Robert Redford's apartment. Uh, he opens the fridge, get, get a glass of milk. And there's a bottle of like Newman's uh, dressing or sauce. <laughs> so it's it's a callback to he, yeah. him being with you know his partnership with uh, Paul Newman in films like you know Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and of course uh, the tombstone in the film at the near the end uh, the, the has Ezekiel uh, twenty five yeah. seventeen on it. Yeah, that that was fucking. I didn't even catch that the first time I watched it. Yeah. The second time I saw it, I was like, oh fuck no. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is me being an idiot. I thought it was a comic. I didn't think that the the epitaph was a comics reference. I thought like I admit I had looked away for a second and I thought like. Like, oh, the um, the the date, like they were trying to imply he was older than he was or something, because I knew that would freak out comics it fans. Actually, did it have its date of birth? No. Uh, okay. Which th- is probably been, was, a smart idea. Yeah. <laughs> the, there was, but I think it was like covered up by flowers and shit. Okay, good. Because mm-hmm. I was wondering if, like, you know, like uh, when you know he, he shot up, I think he's like, okay, they're gonna, he's gonna get, he, they're gonna, he'll, he's, he'll survive his injuries because you know he has the infinity formula. They're gonna introduce that in this movie. Well, no, he no. just yeah, he, he just, just survived. <laughs> well, he's just a badass. Well, that thing, went, doesn't uh, that add to the believability though? Like, I mean, we talk about the things that are cartoony. That wasn't cartoony. Yeah, it would have been super cartoony if they would have like been a life model decoy, which have been mentioned. Yeah. So it's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm really glad it wasn't. I'm glad yeah. he's just kind of fucked yeah. They up. just found him on the bed, and he was like, "About damn time." <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love him just listing his his injuries. Yeah. I've got a busted clavicle. Which, I've uh, got a punctured lung. Oh yeah, I forgot about the punctured lung. <laughs> they, they announced he's guest starring in the season finale of Shield. So only six episodes till that. Yeah. Maybe it'll give them missions. Like, you have to go hunt down Hydra agents now. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Which, I guess, bringing up Hydra brings up the fact that the big conceit around this movie is midway through, Captain America finds out that Hydra is still active, but instead of being so upfront about their, you know, like, you know, Red Skull, like, and the Nazis and so forth, they, they... 
join society and control it from the inside. They, you know, mm. when people are going against what they, how they want society to go, how they want to be able to make people so fearful that they'll turn over their freedom willingly. Yes, that you know, they, they that's when they use the Winter Soldier. Because mm-hmm. it was heavily insinuated in uh, the comics that he killed Kennedy and stuff. Yeah, that's what I was they, they're saying there. forcing yeah. the hand of history, and then they showed those things. So, like, it's also implied, I think, with that flashback mm-hmm. that, that the Winter great... Soldier killed um, Tony Stark's parents. I think is the yeah. idea as well. Um, in 1971, I think they said was the day. What was the uh, What was the Stark Expo in Iron Man Two? Six, like 68 or 70 okay, something. Right. It's like 40 years ago. I think um, is what they were talking about. I think if you pause it during the where it's talking about that and it has flashbacks of the Winter Soldier, I think if you pause it, there was a shot of him in like the grassy knoll. Yeah, yeah. You would have I remember to pause seeing it him to... like uh, like near like a, a water tower thing or yeah. something. But, but... They, they might have avoided that because you know they wanted like you know uh, they wanted you know especially like with uh, like the Watchmen film uh, with uh, the comedian yeah. killing Kennedy. No, that was actually something uh, I'm assuming they're la- waiting until like later. Because That's what I figured. He does have his fucking nine-picture deal. That's true. So yeah. I'm waiting for them to go into more detail on his Well, they probably think some of that's going to be one-shots, though. Like, I would be really... I, I think that it would be strange if there wasn't a one-shot and then this film or the next film that involved the Winter Soldier. Because that's that, a good possibility. Yeah, I, I actually kind of had both. an idea for, like, a Winter Soldier-like uh, centered picture, like, if... Because like you know, Chris Evans has talked about how you know he's after he's finished. I, actually, he, he he's came gone. on the record. No, he okay. came on the record and was like, "Yeah, I said eventually I'd like to quit acting and focus on my family. Yeah. Eventually, well, directing, directing. He yeah, just yeah, directed yeah, yeah, his yeah. first. Time. I, I was thinking like, yeah, if he, but he, he came on the record and said that that quote is entirely misspoken uh-huh. and taken out of context. That, that he never said he was going to quit acting. Can we praise his acting for a second? Because, again, that was another thing that le- added to the credibility well, of the I, film. I think he's charming anyway. He's, no, oh, I, th- yeah, yeah. I think it's more than that. Because it's more than just the superficial charm. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's he did something that I don't think that I would have given him the acting chops for just seeing him play Johnny Storm. Because mm-hmm. that's cocky and, and over- cocksure. I mean, it's different. a very different character. Is that he's he's in this, he's able to exemplify a lot of the, the ideals and everything. Just that, not just the the charm and the likability, but you believe that people will follow him mm-hmm. inherently. Like when when he somebody took all in the, the film is like, options. yeah, he took all the paragon <laughs> options in Mass Effect. That that he's got charisma out the wazoo. He can charm a fortune into bed, baby. He can charm a fortune. Well, I was thinking, but it like uh, would be kind of interesting, like if you know they do, they ever do like you know decide to do like you know uh, Death of Captain America type of thing, uh, which is a good possibility. It'd be cool yeah. to do like you know Winter uh, Soldier centered uh, focus uh, film, but yeah. With the Falcon and uh, well, Black let's, Widow, let's see all the players that are yeah. in play. You have Crossbones, mm-hmm. yeah, they didn't Winter talk Soldier, about Falcon, Widow. I mean, you can do the entire like death of Captain America yeah. and then lead into the fucking Bucky taking over. Then eventually the trial of Captain America, yeah. and you can just do all of this. All of there's a potential for everything. I didn't even know. I mean, some I knew most of the Easter eggs in there, but like one of the ones that I thought was funny that I didn't really. People are amazed that like uh, they somehow managed to make Batroc the Leaper interesting. <laughs> I didn't even know that's who it was. I'd never. I will admit, I did not know who the fuck Batroc the Leaper was, even uh, though he's a popular cat villain. Yeah, I mean, but the I, fight I, scene. I, the fight scene was interesting. I'm not yeah. implying he had an interesting character. Exactly. His development was. Oh, look, I can do parkour. And <laughs> oh. hey, Cap, I bet you speak French. You fought in France, remember? <laughs> that was the that was the extent of his character development. It was still a fun fight scene. It was still a fun. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was basically just a fun thing because everybody, the fans knew, okay, Patroc. I didn't. Leap, 
I knew who the fuck Patrick was. I'm just being honest. I'm not going to pretend I knew. Well, first of all, he's not wearing ridiculous purple costume. I want to He's sort of color-coded. He's color-coded? Yeah, he doesn't have a spindly villain mustache, okay? I was like, I was like, I was like, I know. I'm t- I was when I when they mentioned it, I was like, I'm torn. I, I kind of want to be ridiculous and like leaping around. Uh, I was also- afraid they were gonna give him Super Mario Brother boots. But okay, speaking of Atroc and just that beginning uh, scene, badass. That was one of the best oh, action scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. And I especially love the way they sort of built it up a little bit with the like watching Steve run against Falcon at the beginning, yeah. and now we're watching him run down the laps. ship, and you're just like, oh fuck, this is. They didn't, it's something that they didn't. T- they took a little bit of time to establish like how quick he is, and <laughs> by having him chase down a, a Hydra agent in the middle of New York by. Running faster than a taxi cab, mm. but at the same time you get that that's a congested urban scene. N- now you're realizing like, oh, he can run like 70, 80 miles an hour, <laughs> and and you see that hyperkineticism later on in the other action scenes too, like when he's on the helicarrier mm. and he's just running, and then you see like, oh, he's getting quicker. Yeah, he's not slowing down, and then he's just knocking people, just like yeah, bam, you, you bam, bam. You kind of see that bam. when he's uh, chasing the Winter Soldier right after he uh, shot Fury, like he's just he's bouncing running, through things. Yeah, he's, he's running through momentum. that building, like and he has street. to control yeah. his momentum. Yeah, like, slamming the walls to, to stop himself it's yeah, yeah it, it's just uh, the way they handled cap's powers in this movie was amazing i mean it, it's just some of the best action scenes i've seen in a movie period like when he takes down the fucking uh, uh the quinjet when yeah. he's escaping shield that was amazing when the, the the theater i watched that in the first time yeah. everybody just broke into applause nice. it was just like holy fuck that was great you, know, you didn't get to see it in the imax though and i gotta say in the there did you no, no, no. no. I, I was at the uh, double feature. Yeah. And the, I, and the IMAX is even more impressive. How do they play back to back? Do they play well? Yeah. All right. I, mean, I don't know. What I guess Zola is well, the only <laughs> continuity I can think of. To me, just watching the second one, it, it's almost like you didn't need the Avengers in there anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, a great thing that they did, is that they made it stand by itself. I mean, that's yeah. something I believe Marvel should always be trying to do. I mean, yeah. it's neat when they connect in certain ways, but they need to focus on making movies that work by themselves. Yeah, un- yeah. Unlike Thor 2, which, I mean, you can't go from Thor 1 to Thor 2. Yeah, that's why I watched yeah. the trilogy. Like, I enjoyed doing that again. Like, oh, gee, it was such a pain to watch the Avengers on the big <laughs> screen again. Like, but no, like, you really get that, like, those three movies, because Loki is the villain in the Avengers, mm-hmm. like, it really... Really, it's not even a fucking Thor movie. It's just that these three movies are the Loki trilogy or whatever. And I suppose that kind of makes sense for uh, Tony, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because him being in the Avengers is such a big thing with Iron Man 3. Yeah. Like, what happened to him? Cap, he's moved from... He's like it's two years later, and yeah. he's kind of moved on from that. And we see him assimilated with life now. Like I love we, it. We, we, we didn't... Get, uh, like, they didn't make a lot of jokes about the fact that he's out of society like he's outside of it like what they 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 bring up when uh when scarlett jansen's dicking around with the computer mm-hmm. and she makes that tron joke yeah and he's like yeah i know i've seen the movie yeah war games i think war games was it war games yeah. do you, oh she's sitting there and she's plugging in the usb drive do you want to play well, a tron game could have been also yeah, i'm pretty sure it's in tron as well yeah i thought it was that was I, my I think thought it's war games it's war games I, it's I, maybe tron was making a reference to war games what came first Tron was 80. Was it in 80? Yeah, 80. Tron was really fucking early. Yeah. yeah. 
Which is ironic, funny. considering it's about a supercomputer yeah. later on. Tron is a surprisingly good movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The thing I mean, is, like, the Disney animators feared that they were going to be out of a job in ten years. <laughs> the Disney animators feared correctly, and everybody was thinking they were hyperventilating. <laughs> well, there's still things you can't do with computer animation, like the squash. You sound like an old fogey when you say that. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, like, I mean, they're getting there, like, with that paper man, the technology. That was beautiful. Because, like, one thing you can't really do with computer animation is the squash and stretch of... Uh, like uh, with uh, hand-drawn animation, hmm. which I mean, because it, it, it looks ugly in transition, but that's why you, that's why you get some really kinetic movement, like and you know exaggerated movement in cartoons, like like. Hmm. Yeah. And John Lasseter talked about that, saying that he forced um, his people to like watch the um, test animations of like uh, Jungle Book, the scene where like Baloo is trying to push uh, Mowgli up the tree, and talking about like, see, this is a gravity, this is gravity. This is how it works on an animated figure. Like, his skin is reacting to this thing. I'm aware a computer didn't draw this. It looks better than if a computer had drawn this, because there's not enough physics engine deciding what this looks like. It's just somebody drawing and deciding what this looks like. But uh, hmm. returning to Cap 2, you know, one thing I, I think that really appeals to me about the Marvel films is that, you know, uh, they're not uh, over, overly serious. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's, another ta- it's a different take on uh, superhero films where, like, you know, it's not, you know, grim and dark. I mean... There's certainly elements of that, but yeah, you know, I think there's a lot more harder. so than any other Marvel movie is. Well, yeah, but it also it doesn't allow itself. There's to a lot of light. To well, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, because yeah. Cap is like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's just like, you, you realize, oh, this this film is made. It's a spy movie that isn't cliche because he's in it. Whereas opposed to like, oh, it's a superhero movie. It's a cliche because it has Captain America in it. Yeah. No, it's a really good spy movie that doesn't doesn't allow itself to come into this cynical self commentary about the state of of the country. Because Captain America's in it, and he's not cynical, and he's he's like he's like I'm not going to be changed by the times. I'm he's like the best thing about America. Speaking of America, well, fuck yeah. Speaking of uh, that, like uh, there's a, I think it was on Vulture they talk about you know uh, I don't, this guy I don't think got uh, got Captain America. He's like you know. Uh, Oh, he should, you know, he should be more of a jerk. It's like... No. Yeah, he, he was, Chauvinism was never, like, the thing that he represented. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he was using uh, Mark Millar's uh, Captain America from the Ultimates as an example of how Captain America could be interesting. But the thing about that is that Mark Millar's Captain America from the Ultimates, it came out right after 9-11. Oh, okay, It yeah. was a f- version of America that not only is being written by somebody who's not American, who's mm. kind of examining American culture from the outside. It's also an America who's kind of a bully. who's kind Reflexive of, and a little bit hateful. Yeah, and but that's the thing about Captain America that's amazing from a writing standpoint is that he can be used to reflect you know, a writer's belief in what America could be. Like yeah. when Brubaker took over Captain America and... No, he killed Captain America. He he killed that character and used Bucky as the ultimate viewpoint of how he you know, views what America is at the moment. And even the, that's kind of what the uh, the Captain America and the Winter Soldier does at the same time is that we he they use the character as a tool to examine America how it is now. Yeah. It, that's it's the, more it's more than that though because like that was the interest i don't know if we'll actually be able to piece it in because i'm sure we, we're gonna have a lot to talk about and it's a long interview maybe we'll just cut the segment that where he actually talks about cap but when i talked to steve inglehart what are you telling it, me to do I, i'm not the boss so i don't know how this is anyway, gonna go down. anyway move on move on but the thing that he talked about is that he realized that cap was a man out of time and because he's a man out of time he's not a man of our times he's not a man of any time other than his own and so he doesn't change but the book itself has to change Mm -hmm. and so he was writing from 68 to 71 
And so he's writing in the he's writing in the middle of the the worst years of Vietnam, mm-hmm. and he, and so Cap is taking a sales dive because he wrote the Secret America. He wrote the Secret Empire. He, Secret where Empire. Nixon was essentially, and so he had to bring Nixon into the book because it's mm-hmm. the Watergate years. Yeah, and so he has to bring Nixon into the book, and so I'm like, oh, so this commentary on the like the culture not new, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not I mean, even that, novel that was at all. When uh, Captain America essentially quit being Captain yeah, he America, quit and, and he, he became, became no man. Yeah. yeah, so that was his run as he invented. He invented Nomad, and then he also did um, the bulk of apparently Falcon. Um, he he let Falcon take over near the end of the run. So like some, what they call it, one of the best Captain America stories. Comic Book Resources put it as their fifth best comic Amer- or Captain America run. And they're like, oh, and like in eight issues, there's no Captain America. <laughs> it's well, Falcon leading the book. Yeah, it was called Captain America and the Falcon at the time. Yeah, Brubaker essentially is the same thing after Cap died. I it's mean, like uh, 25 to 42, I think. Uh, yeah, it's I, I the recently. Yeah, it, there's a good long stretch where nobody's actually wearing a Captain America costume. Yeah. It's a very long stretch. <laughs> I mean, it's a cool thing to me where I think that the people who wrote this, because they went out and they sought out nerds, frankly. Didn't Bucky appear in costume on cover? Like in a couple issues before he was... Yeah, it was announced was that he was going to... Not not on cover. I mean, they definitely put out promotional preparing okay. mm. stuff that was, hey, this is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love that this film is the opposite of him taking off the... Uh, of taking off the costume because he yeah, takes yeah. off his fucking shield costume yeah, and puts on his and puts on his old World War II costume. He's like, if I'm gonna be, if I'm gonna go into you know battle, I'm gonna go in. A, I need a uniform, and that was badass. You know the description of that costume on like products and stuff: stealth suit cap, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, it's meant to be as sort of. Yeah, if you're in a covert yeah. organization, having the stars and bars is not the. Well, right. I mean, not having uh, the stars uh, and stripes. Yeah, the shield was monotone. Yeah, yeah they, 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 they. I guess they made him another shield. <laughs> yeah, where did he get the vibranium from? I don't know. If, I mean, that had to be vibranium. Actually, it's I funny guess. you mentioned that because uh, I believe that, like, uh, like I, I, you know, this might be inaccurate, but I, it seems like one of the names they mentioned, like, was an, like an, an alias for T'Challa. For T'Challa. Oh, really? Oh yeah, did when? they mention that happen? When Jasper Sitwell's like uh, oh, naming, naming off. the people. Uh, yeah, I knew there had to be something in there because the only one I got is obviously the one that. Yeah, they mentioned Banner Strange. and Strange. And, uh, I think Val- the Valentine from Iowa is probably Cho. I'm like Chu? From Chu? Um, no, Amadeus Cho. Oh, okay. He's a sort of a teen genius. A teen oh, like, like the uh, seventh ball. smartest man in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I think that's what yeah. it is. Maybe he's the, maybe that's the ball state on the, they referenced no, the two person no. with 200 IQ in the, oh no, that was yeah, a girl. they have a name. They give a name. But yeah, they, they mentioned a teacher, don't they, or something? I think so. Or... It was hilarious. They're, they're in Indiana for no reason at all. Yeah. In uh, the episode, and they mentioned, what? oh yeah, we, let, let him say because he's got a ball state. The car wasn't bouncing up and down. <laughs> for those not in the know, David has, a, has a mad friend who is who's yeah. at what? Muncie. What did you say? Nothing. What did you say? I said, people have sex in their cars all the time there? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> no, their cars just weren't bouncing from all the damn potholes. Well, that's in the entire goddamn state. <laughs> right? I mean, I drove down the southern half of it today, and it was just like, fuck, what the hell is going on? Uh. <laughs> Indiana seriously has the worst roads I've been on. This year, I, I, I used any, to uh, to take a regular fourteen hour road trip. I knew when I was in Indiana just based on the roads. Uh, <laughs> we got more. I think we have more stretches of interstate though than any other state in the nation, and that's part of why we don't have the funds to keep it up. We are the crossroads of America. Yeah. <laughs> 
So anyway, uh, somebody brought up the Falcon. Falcon was awesome. Oh my this. god! Yeah. Anthony was it Anthony <laughs> Ainley, right? Or Anthony Mackie? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Anthony Ainley. <laughs> Jesus. The <laughs> 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 master was. <laughs> but uh, that would have been that been a very bold take, I think, for the Falcon. But yeah, yeah. I, I love the way they 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 used him. Like uh, he wasn't a Shield agent. He was. He was us. Yeah, he was. Well, he was outside yeah. of Shield. He was somebody. You know, Steve can go to and rely on, and not yeah. only that, but he also is a you know, advisor for people who you know have come home from war, which kind of works he in gets, this situation he gets as well. Yeah. The thing that's important about the movie, in not only just contemporizing it, um, it's one of the good things about, like, say, a Sherlock or something, where that you're acknowledging the fact that okay, we've been they took something from a source material and then they they compare it to today in a seamless mm. transition mm. by making Watson an Afghan war veteran. They do that here because it's just like. Oh, Steve Rogers isn't. It was going to have trouble adjusting coming back to civilian life. Everybody around him is like is like touching him with kid gloves because they're like, "Oh, you've been frozen for seventy or sixty years. So much has changed." No, shit would have changed if he had come back. And so they didn't. Uh, even even in Shield, they didn't understand the mindset. A- Anthony Mackie's character is just like jives him and does all the stuff that he would have had. Yeah, in, and he, he yeah. brings up the thing about the bed. It's the bed, isn't it? Yeah. It feels like you're you're sinking into it. So like, those things they, are universal. Yeah, they <laughs> understand each other. They they, they they understand each other in a way that Steve doesn't mesh with anybody yeah. else in the movie. I would say in the first Avengers film, when he gets on the helicarrier, and everybody's running around, and Widow's making the comment about, like, gee, all this must be so different for you. And then he's like, no, actually, this is nice. It's it been isn't until it flies. Until it I flies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thinking about, like, you know, not, not you know, treating someone with kid gloves, uh, you almost see parallels, like, with uh, Tony Stark and uh, Bruce Banner, uh, yeah. where, you know, Tony, you know, uh, shocks uh, Bruce. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, he, he fucks with Bruce. Yeah. He's like, hey, look, God, come on. <laughs> he gets him because he's also... <laughs> he, and, and I think that's similar, because he gets him because he's another, like, nth-level genius. Like, he's somebody... He's probably literally the only other person in the world. And, and another who, who was, yeah. like, you know... Uh, he can admit that he's smarter than him in a field. That doesn't happen for Tony. <laughs> he doesn't walk into a room and, and he's just like, and, and, yeah, I'm pretty pretty sure I'm not only the smartest, but I'm the most badass person in the room. He doesn't get that with the other Avengers, and he doesn't get that the most with the Hulk. Uh, and another Banner. person, like, who, you know, uh, you know, fucked himself over, like, uh, altered his life uh, irrevocably, at least the time before he had, you know, the surgery in Iron Man 3, but, you know, by by his own technology, you know, and yeah. Tony's yeah. case, you know, his weapons, yeah, and Bruce's case, you know, the Gambit experiments. And then, and then with Captain Falcon, uh, Falcon, it's, uh, you know, uh, both vets, you know, both, lo- both lost, you know, uh, same yeah. and it's a funny thing, but even the the crazy thing about how long we've been at war, they they had the same amount of time at war. Think about it. Cap was only in in the field for four years. That was the length of that was it. World War Two. We're done. The Fal- I mean, Falcon. He was two tours in what is it? Two tours in in Iraq or Afghanistan. Yeah. That's yeah. four years. Same amount of time. And that yeah, he's growing up with the entire generation of people who have only known combat it's it's a ridiculous thing it's almost like it's not like a big commentary or anything that i think they intended the film but it's ridiculous how long we've been at war and how maladjusted every everyone else is it's as if nothing has happened even the guys in shield are just like oh yeah it's not a big deal for you to adjust coming back they didn't think about it something just dawned on me you know how we should have known that shield was hydra the Hydra stuff and the Hydra weapons that are shown in, in, Avengers. in Avengers. Well, I mean, to a certain degree, they kind of blame that on Nick Fury. Yeah, and, and, still, and that's the sort of, like... sort of genius thing about Nick Fury's character that uh, Robert Redford specifically points out. You're the most ruthless person I know. You're, yeah, he inspired him to join Hydra. How fucked up is that? <laughs> okay, yeah, major spoiler, but yeah, he acknowledges well, the well, fact well, that I don't. I, well, it's to a certain degree, I guess. Yeah. Remember when they they. Yeah. they 
uh, said that in what was it, Secret Warriors? You're just like, holy shit! Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that was uh, one of the, ma- uh, the. That's why the Hydra thing sort of surprised me so much is that I went into this expecting like Brewbreaker Cap, yeah. and then they introduce an element from Jonathan Hickman's Secret Warriors, and I'm like, oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I, what I love is that they're taking like they're taking the 75 or 75 year or 70 year history of Cap. Yeah. Like they're taking elements from all sorts of people's right. I've really thoroughly enjoyed over the past month doing a lot of Captain America research and um, getting even, I've got some, some old back issues and stuff from the 60s and even I think one from the 50s that, that are I'm picking up from the, the Hero House and it's neat. I like it. That's you don't like that particular place, and I don't blame you. But because, <laughs> oh, but, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I really, I, I do like them because they were able to do that. They did. It was nice that they were able to help me research the Engelhart and pull mm-hmm. some of his stuff so I could read it. And I really appreciate him more as a character, having been able to reexamine the comics. So I know that's not the same for you guys because you guys have grown up with him and, and known what's great about the character. I am. Fucking awesome! But, uh, <laughs> I just think I'm just saying, I'm just saying like the impact. It's amazing to me that they've got people who love the, the material, and so they can draw from whatever period they like. They love the material. They know the material. That's all I meant to say. I'm sorry I made it such a long point. <laughs> I, I know, that, like you know, some people are like you know, like uh, you know, they're you know, one of the checking points. Like you know, why the fuck would Shield accept you know, Hydra scientists? Because we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah they, they reference yeah. Operation Paperclip. Yeah, I mean, hey, she she doesn't even think about it because it was a U.S. operation. It wasn't a Shield thing. Yeah. she's like, oh. That. Operation Paperclip after the war. Of course we would have done it. Yeah, we and hired Nazi scientists. Yeah. It's that almost like breaking the fourth wall. The Apollo <laughs> missions, like the space yeah. program. Yeah, that's... Werner, uh, Armin Zola is <laughs> Werner von Braun. No. Only like, what's the quote from Werner Braun Braun? I like almost thought of Zola as like a sympathetic. The, the rocket, I didn't realize he was going to be such a dick. Because <laughs> I thought like he was being forced to do this stuff. He was just devoted to the science. And then you look at it and it's like, no, he was just a genocidal monster. <laughs> the, the rocket, the, yeah. So they mention it in uh, Iron Man three, which it's ooh, they do say mention, that. They do uh, say uh, that. They mention Werner Braun Braun like uh, his uh, famous quote about the uh, rocket. The, the rocket worked perfectly, but it landed yeah. on the wrong planet. Yes, uh, and that's one of my favorite. Quotes it's about interesting science. that they mentioned that. I wonder if there was like you know they put. I wonder if that's Possibly. like an Easter egg thing, you know, maybe kind of point towards, you know, something's wrong with Feige, Feige has said that. Feige has said that he, that the first person he told about the plot of Captain America 2 was while they were filming Avengers, uh-huh. he goes up to, to Chris Evans and he says, how do you feel about if Hydra is actually S.H.I.E.L.D.? And he said, dude, you're blowing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but uh, speaking of like, uh, speaking of like uh, deleted scenes, like uh, one, one thing that's interesting, like uh, Joss Whedon, like I, I, I read like uh, that... Uh, there's like a deleted scene in Avengers where uh, he meets uh, Peggy Carter. Uh, yeah. And then he talks about the disappearing social safety net. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting to bring it up because, like, uh, one thing, like, with uh, Cap in the, his early days in, as Timely Comics, you know, it's, he was fighting on the home front, like, you know, uh, the, colonists, the Nazi sym- sympathizers. Uh, yeah, like the, the, Ger- uh, the, it's like the German box, something like that. It's uh, the German compl- Bund. They completely got rid of that because, for I mean, for two reasons. One, time. Mm-hmm. Two, I mean, you can't have this commentary about how nice Amer- how that he represents the nice America, and then show awful racist fucking evil America that he lived in, <laughs> because that's what you would have to do. You'd have to do like these completely awful racist Nazi sympathizers that were obviously in New York and all mm-hmm. these other places at the time. I think they do enough of that by just showing that the, there was a Hydra sleeper mm-hmm. agent in the SSR. So they, they're able to do that from a neatly tucked away in a storytelling perspective, because that film is that runs so quick. Isn't the original Captain America just a little over ninety minutes? Like, I think it's not like yeah, it's not a big. Hours, no, it, or no, hours. it's longer. It's a two-hour thing. They they pack a lot of storytelling into that two hours. Is all I mean. Yeah. It doesn't feel. It chugs along. It doesn't yeah. feel clunky. Mm-hmm. Doing the fifth columnist thing would have made it. Oh funny. yeah, yeah. but like it, you know, it's interesting that like you know, uh, 
that, you know, Joss Whedon, you know, touched on that, because that's, you know, one area, one aspect of, you know, Cap's history that, you know, the comics doesn't really uh, focus on perhaps as much. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, um, going back to Iron Man sort of Easter eggs, bringing in the Senator Gary Shandling. Yes. Yeah. That yeah, they was... mentioned the president. The president's name is mentioned. No, he was going to be killed. Yeah, he was, he was going to be killed. Yeah. At least Again, we know the president's yeah, yeah, a good yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah uh, Matthew Ellis. They, yeah. They, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I just... Even in the Cap Museum, his name's mm-hmm. there. And isn't he the one doing the speech when they're going into the Cap exhibit? Yeah. No, actually, I think Gary uh, Sinise. Gary Sinise. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. That, yeah. That's why I was laughing, because he does the whole, like, you know, the... Oh, I thought he was the president. Like, I thought they were playing he was. No, 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 no. He he does the Smithsonian for World War II. For yeah, yeah. because like you know, he, like one of his big things, like his his big charity is like big you damn know. band. Yeah, mm. Lieutenant big Dan's big damn band. All 100 percent of the proceeds go to um, to veteran affairs charities. That's why I was laughing when Cap went to the museum. And I heard Gary uh, Sinise. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, that's perfect. That's the thing that Marvel gets is like how to make their films integrate into the real world better than everybody else. Like they don't have fake new ca- newscasters; they have real newscasters in their show. <laughs> well, you were saying? Well, yeah, but yeah, Gary Shanley, like bringing him in and making him a Hydra agent, <laughs> kind of it, it, it puts Iron Man two in a different light because we see the like you trying know, to get the repulsor technology. Yeah, trying to fuck with Tony Stark, yeah. trying to control him is a Hydra thing. It kind of makes you look at that movie and go, oh, that's a little bit more neater. (laughs) (laughs) The weird thing to me about, like, the original Captain America movie, because then you see, like, America... Because you see Hydra, okay, fucking crazy science, massive Mm -hmm. interpotal bomber that that can drop guided weapons that will blow up bigger than a nuclear bomb and all this stuff and you're thinking okay that's actually more advanced than stuff that we have right now mm-hmm. yeah. and then you and you look but then you're like oh wait america has all this super cool shit too because of howard stark he's mm-hmm. like he he's like uh like every war contractor possible and howard hughes on meth yeah. like i mean it's amazing he has repulsor technology in the 40s and you're looking at all this stuff and you're like why isn't america in the marvel universe a shit ton more advanced because they've been reverse engineering both the hydra stuff and they've got Howard Stark on all this crap. Like, not, but like, we but, should be more advanced than we are. I don't know. Well, it's just because Hydra is controlling it all. Oh, I guess that's right. <laughs> they don't want, that, that makes sense. Like it's almost like, oh, okay, yeah, thought bubble, light bulb. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, they've, been, they've been engineering progress down. So because then we couldn't control people. This, this, this actually might go deeper uh, if you think about it, based on that. You know, the that the, the clip with Strucker where like. Uh, what if, what if uh, what if uh, Thanos has taken over uh, Hydra using the mind gem because they don't have that in their possession? Well, uh, what I got from that is the fact that they were using that to create the miracles. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but I mean, uh, not quite sure. Yeah. Uh, fuck, I was gonna say something. Shit. Nobody knows the sh- fucking miracle shit. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Def- they were definitely made using Loki's. Yeah, staff. but there's yeah, no that, that was definitely in the, the implication. What was like? Oh, I was gonna say something about Hydra's technology being based. It uses it used the Tesseract as a power source. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess so. They don't have I mean, that. so yeah. and without that, a lot of that wasn't gonna work. It wasn't until Tony essentially sort of replicated the Tesseract energy with yeah. his uh, chess piece, mm-hmm. the arc reactor. That was the first time anybody's ever really done that. I think he gave up. I think that it implies in like Iron Man 2 that he's just like, okay, the fundamental science isn't isn't catching up to this stuff. And so I'm passing this on to you. It's weird because like half of Iron Man 2 is my dad was a dick. And then the other half of, of Iron Man 2 was I have, <laughs> this, I, have, I have this amazing gift that I'm giving to you. Howard Stark's LSD trip. I would watch that. That would be, a, that, that, that'd be the Max Marvel one shot. 
Actually, the important thing, and I, I don't know where this works, because it was announced that, like, based on the success of the Peggy one-shot, and, I mean, again, her cameo in this, again, is only going to raise that stock further, and the mentions of Howard Stark and, and how Dominique Cooper, how on board he is with everything with Marvel and doing more, and Dum Dum Dugan and showing all the stuff from Cap. So, like, that continuity, and, and as successful as this film is, with a $100 million opening... They're going to go ahead with that plan of having a second S.H.I.E.L.D. series based on that. Know, they said that I they were going to do it. I they thought, thought they were committed to it. They're at least doing a pilot, yeah. is what I know. They've got to you do it at this point. Like, <laughs> I see, like, you, you, you've done, well, you've done with Coulson. I think it would be... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. being so iffy in ratings. Like, they may just think... cancel it in lieu of this, because S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist as an organization anymore, what, guys. Spoilers. What would, what would be interesting is if they allowed themselves to do two shows that were essentially the same show, just, like... Different periods of time well one season focuses on peggy and the creation of shield another season goes back to colson and huh. it allows them to only do like 13 episodes a season or whatever oh and, i would love that and it'll allow well, more concise storytelling Dollhouse did that with their season finales the doll dollhouse season finales took place in the future with felicia day and yeah everybody oh kind of like no. uh with, isn't there like a uh, future slayer like in the comics or something like that with buffy or Frey? Frey Comics. Well, yeah, they did a, yeah, graphic. Joss Whedon wrote a Frey comic yeah. series. We are already 45 minutes into this episode. <laughs> the season <laughs> almost completely separate episodes that were just set in the future. Every time you mention Dollhouse, you're like, Tomo dies. Just so that you can yeah. ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it. Well, that's not ruining anything because but. I wouldn't recommend watching Dollhouse. <laughs> <laughs> um... Well, I'm just uh, saying that's that's gonna happen. I mean, her stock has increased more more than I think even Coulson's has at this point. I mean, it's that was that was a touching scene. I think she's badass in her one shot, and mm-hmm. Dominique Cooper and everybody else is on board, and they keep dr- peppering references. I think it'd be in- the more interesting thing is like first of all, now people are going to be curious to see how Hydra infiltrated Shield in the first place. Mm-hmm. I think they're also going to be curious to see. I think. It'll be more interesting to have long-term implications. Like, if you're going to introduce somebody like Namor or like somebody like somebody like that, because they've had Oracle, the company, in Marvel continuity, he's in charge of Oracle, the company. But Oracle, the company, has been sponsoring some of the Marvel movies. So, like, they're a big part of the Stark Expo and Iron Man Two. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's a threat meter from Shield in the middle of the ocean. Who else? Who the fuck else is that going to be? Um, so like, I mean, there's so they've been like peppering little things like that, and they've said that he might he along with like T'Challa and uh, T'Challa. Why did I say T'Challa? I don't know. That sounds like a caveman. Maybe think of T'Chanka, the T'Chanka. Damn it! Another Mass Effect reference. I think Namor and. T'Challa would work better like miniseries like on Netflix. I think Namor might actually be FF. Is he? Maybe I don't know. No, I, no, no, no. His rights are sold to Universal. Were they? So they got Neymar back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they, yeah, I thought they had him. Because yeah. I'm just saying they had in that, in that, um, and they also had the original Human Torch, which they have the rights to. They showed him in that, and I know that doesn't his tech in the comics at least isn't his leads tech. Leads to Vision, yeah. Yeah, leads to the Vision. They've already announced that the Vision is in it. I feel like they could lay a lot of things that they're missing from the Marvel Universe by showing back in time. There's also so many references in the Hulk and in the Avengers and in um, Iron Man 3 with Extremis and with the Gamma. The entire Gamma Ray program is that they're trying to replicate Cap Serum. They're talking about um, the fact that the third Captain America movie might have Commie Crusher Cap from the 50s. So, like, you might have that in there. That might be a good way to introduce it. To introduce, like, the Invaders. Just have to be Commie Cap, you know? I could work. Mm. But, uh, 
Let, let's look at the implications that this leads for future films. Like, and she, I guess we, oh, before we before we move on, let's talk about Black Widow. She was uh, awesome. She yeah. fucking rocked. Yeah, she did. <laughs> it's, I still don't yeah. know if she can hold her own film though. Absolutely. I don't know. I think she could, especially at this point. It'd be a better actually, spy thriller. Yeah, we, we've now like we've introduced her at like they they've changed her character at this point. Instead of being the company girl who just works for Shield, she's realized she's worked for the KGB and now she's sort of kind of worked for Hydra. Yeah. And now I, I feels I want to see what she does next. I yeah. want to see she's where an she independent goes. agent. Like there's that Black Widow heading heroes for hire. <laughs> Cool shit. Yeah. They already they already have one super spy though, yeah. in Jessica Jones. So I don't know. But two female super spies. I just think that's uh, impossible. Charlie's Angels is pretty good. Who would be Bosley? Would would Fury? Fury would be Bosley. <laughs> uh, it, no, you oh, oh my god. god, it's happening. Fury's Angels. You got Maria Hill. You got Black Widow and Jessica <laughs> no, Jones. Maria, no, we're doing this. Tony we're Stark, doing apparently. this. Which is weird. I, I, I love that. that. You I laughed so hard. Angels. Find it hard. I just found it funny. Wait, Andrew. Andrew's trying to do his Bosley. Hold on. Angels, you blew up a goddamn helicarrier. That's <laughs> <laughs> the fourth one this month. Goddamn. <laughs> wait, uh, wait. Is the original? So we still have the original helicarrier. One last thing. Didn't you love the Easter egg reference about the repulsor engine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's like, like he got a close look at our turbine engines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought so Black Widow was to run on oh, some why electricity. Using the turbine engines on the Quinjet. Then, well, because I don't know, maybe he's not going to give out all of his technology. They had well, to drag I mean, that out of him uh, on the large scale. I don't know. I mean, they're not going to get rid of like uh, you know maybe um, they pr- probably already had a fleet of Quinjets. Yeah, isn't isn't Anthony Quinn on Shield as a villain? Or that is a different reference than the Quinjets. I'm sorry. About. There's a Quinn character on Shield, and I was being an idiot for a second. Is it? He hasn't watched Shield. Uh, like, you know, I think you said you gave up after like episode four. You know what? I thought it was really funny. Uh, Victoria Hand came out as the like uh, double crosser last week, and as a turncoat, and I was just kind of like, no shit. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't actually kind of like that because the thing about Victoria Hand that was interesting as a character is that she. I mean, yeah, she worked for Norman Osborn, but. She Norman Osborn doesn't reasons. exist yeah, in this she, universe. She had, uh, she just didn't agree with. She wasn't a bad character, yeah. so just straight up making her a turncoat but would now be really. Knowing annoying. that she's with Hydra, well, we I don't thought, know wait, that. I thought we don't know that yet. Yeah, I mean, it's assumed. That, but, well, we we would know that we know if we Jasper bothered to watch is. today's. Yeah. We know Jasper is. was you mean? Yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> I kind of felt like that was shitty. I, that was what a bad way to go. Like, I you just get thrown out of his car. Awesome. Just the way it was because it was like, oh fuck, he got pulled out of the car, and then all of a sudden, no, no, okay. I mean, his end was often uh, yeah. awesome and abrupt, but it's just like he's been along with Coulson, like these gung ho. Well, that's pro-America part of the point guys. is that you really had him. to not see it coming. Well, yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it's a good thing they didn't do Coulson. Coulson would have just been like, holy shit, Coulson's a hydrate. I don't think it could have been possible. Well, really yeah, Coulson would have been a stretch. Jasper is okay. Jasper, yeah, he's been there since the beginning, but it also adds to the creepy. Let's all. make it less ambiguous now. Let's just say, like, maybe part of the reason he brings Coulson back is because he smells something rotten in Shield, and so he's like, "Oh, who's somebody I absolutely fucking trust? I trust Cap, and I trust Coulson, and that's it. Good and Maria Hill. Like, I mean, that would be well, enough for bad, him. Too bad Coulson doesn't trust Fury. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. It's like a stupid. It's a weird relationship now. 
Um, another thing I wanted to bring up about about Black Widow. Anybody else notice the sort of sexual tension between her and Cap? No, <laughs> yes. I, there's a joke. There's a joke um, when he uh, when Anthony Mackie had his appearance on on. Uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Did you see yeah, that? Yeah. That he is like, listen, I've been giving her eyes the whole time. There's a sexual tension. There's a secret <laughs> relationship between me and Widow. We dating. <laughs> uh, speaking of another popular black superhero, uh, did you see John uh, or Don Cheadle on uh, Arsenio Hall? No, oh yeah, no. and they made the joke about the Marvel plot assassins showing up. Like he had the a Marvel red plot dot. assassin. Yeah, 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 he had a red dot, dot on his. <laughs> Why was he negotiating for more money? <laughs> well, he, he was starting to talk about something, and all of a sudden, a bunch of red dots yeah. popped up. I thought that was we were, <laughs> I, I feel like they, with him, it's the most obvious. Like I would love it if him and and Mark Ruffalo were in a room together. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, I, I want a Black Avengers movie. <laughs> the Black Avengers. The Black Avengers. But uh. Yeah, I, I just I, I thought the the relationship she had with Cap was really interesting in the sense that she's trying it, to anchor him. It was like they're both. She can't bullshit him. She can't control him like she can other men. men. But she's also like, you're really not good at this spy thing, are you? Well, <laughs> I, I, to a certain extent, it's part of his charm. Yeah, like, so I she she likes she, it, but she's just like, you really. You hide the USB drive in a fucking I bubble can see gum, bubble gum machine. <laughs> that was like, awesome. there's that. Like, so like, she's he thinks that he's like he's trying to go all covert and like he's like doe-eyed um. and she's like really like this. No, it's not, okay. it's not exactly doe-eyed. Like I liked like, it, it, the the scene in the mall where he's like, okay, there's a bunch of guys coming at us from different angles. This is what we're gonna do. And then she's, she's like, like, kiss me. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. He's, he's a soldier, not a spy. Yeah, that's so. the thing. That's the really interesting. Well, he thing, was in, like, he was in special. Op- he was technically a spy. He's just a really he bad He performed spy. military operations. He wasn't really a, a information you know, extractor like Black Widow yeah. was. Which is shown in the first mission that yeah. they go on in the movie. Yeah. He's basically Shepard, and uh, Black Widow is Morden. Than... <laughs> <laughs> like fin- I can see that the final mission, like there, she's like, had to be me. Somebody else might have gotten it wrong. <laughs> oh, now I'm sad. Oh. I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, you are. That's because you gave up too early. <laughs> I shouldn't have started playing it when I was throwing up sick. <laughs> bored out of my mind during the cathedral. But, uh... That's, so, so, Citadel. Citadel. Whatever. Cathedral? <laughs> that was close. It's nice and big and sort of... Yeah. <laughs> but, um... Okay, yeah, I guess we can move on to the mid-credits sequence between, uh... Well, where we see Baron Zemo for the first time. Yeah. Like, they don't say his name. Strucker. Oh, shit, sorry. And they do say Strucker. Yeah, they, they do. say Strucker? Yeah. They do. Okay. I didn't... I, I guess I didn't hear that. I just knew... The monocle apparently right, wasn't right enough. Right oh, okay. Like, uh, something... Has Strucker, I think? Yeah, Hell uh, Strucker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I knew who the fuck it was. Yeah. I mean, the monocle <laughs> and the title aren't enough. It's a... It's a... It's a peanut... Uh, it's a Mr. Peanut mascot in yeah. flesh. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah. Well, I mean, as a non-comics reader, that's what I thought initially. <laughs> I was just like, who invited Mr. Peanut to this? party but uh yeah i really it, that was kind of cool as a because especially since like a couple weeks ago or maybe it was even last week you didn't you say one of the soundtrack uh things was like peter quill's sos yeah that, that where was that yeah, yeah but it was originally also listed on the iron man 3 soundtrack so oh Maybe they they just said fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean at this point they can't put it in the <laughs> yeah right. Well, they but, canceled because they canceled the the Tony Stark deep space armor yeah. scene that they had planned because apparently you know he suggested the scene is what I've heard. 
in some oh. interviews I've heard that like he just they just he suggested like a, a banter thing with Mark Ruffalo and they're like wait that's a shit ton cheaper to film <laughs> <laughs> and so they did that and like because they were able to pop that out in like a week I yeah, think they, they just ran out airport. of the shooting yeah. yeah they filmed it at an airport it because they, they, they shot that in a day <laughs> yeah, yeah so well, like I think they, they shot the uh, shawarma scene. After the premiere of the Avengers, yeah. yeah. So it's like certain things, like they they've just had such a time. That's crunch. why Chris Evans uh, has his face covered because he had a full beard. Yeah, and, and, and four like, hours of makeup. The uh, uh, the Guardian scene at the end of Thor that was done in like a couple hours. Yeah, that's part of the re- like. James a lot Dunn of people was... hate that, and, and just, I don't understand why they hate the, it. The, the Baron Strucker scene. Well, yeah, which makes sense because yeah. they're filming right now. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, the, the James Gunn was kind of like, yeah, it's not the best looking thing. I mean, it's not the one. The one weird <laughs> we only thing. had a couple hours. <laughs> it, it, kind of, it kind of looked yeah. like a Guillermo del Toro film a little bit. That's, like, yeah. that's the vibe I got because all the weird creatures and shit. <laughs> but uh, maybe Guillermo del Toro. Uh, that's what I was gonna dude. say. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, we got to see Quicksilver and uh, Scarlet, Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch, yeah. That was why wasn't Quicksilver ter- silver? Maybe. Have you seen the you've Maybe seen the, the footage from like um event um assembling a cinematic universe yeah, right yeah. and the photos he why can no one get his fucking costume I love his Avengers costume yeah I think I mean maybe it's just because I've seen the X Men one I think he looks great in the yeah I don't think either are particularly flattering did you see, did you see the X Men Quicksilver Carl's Jr. yeah the Hardys yeah, yeah. I was just it's growing on me a little bit but it's still fucking terrible yeah, yeah the, the X Men one is. is Especially bad. They the the Avengers one. I feel as if they actually did a good job. I mean, yeah, it's that, seven it, months, looks, it looks like he's gonna go to the gym. Is essentially what he's yeah. doing, which make, kind of makes sense because all he does is run around. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I really like what they did with Scarlet Witch because, like, if you see a regular costume, you're kind of like, that's not Jack Her- Kirby's best moment right there. No. <laughs> she looks like the Huntress. <laughs> but, I can see yeah. that. She looks but, like yeah. she looks like she looks like if you yeah, and the enchantress. She She's looks like what you know what they are? They're three Mortal Kombat characters that have been reskinned. That's a good way of putting it. They're but, uh, they're the um the the yeah the three uh three uh like the three robot dudes yeah. like smoke uh noob si- no no no, no, no they have smoke. the three girls Sada, that are that because it's Sada. shit I can't remember their names yeah, yeah, but the uh, three Katana, girls are, yeah, they do Katana, Katana they do and then a lot of characters like Scorpion Sub Zero Reptile yeah smoke yeah. And Duke Saibot? I think he's the ninja template as well. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think he's so, a cyborg ninja. Anyway. <laughs> the, Moving uh, on from cyborg yeah, ninjas. One of the, 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 the interesting things they implied with the mid-credits sequence was um, that they use the we were mentioning at the yeah. beginning of this episode, they used the gem to essentially create these people instead of essentially like <laughs> they, he was referring to them as miracles and my joke to matt immediately afterwards was they're a miracle of law because now they're not mutants <laughs> <laughs> i just i still i still think it's a strange direction i don't understand why they they're obviously introducing the kree in the next in guardians of the galaxy which is Probably. a co- which is no they are no they are yeah. jamon hanso is a kree and he's in the trailer. yeah and so is ronan the ronan user, the user yeah. <laughs> yeah. and so and you the kree on so you not only they're already showing the kree and the and the nova Corps, so and they've shown the asgardians interacting with with um with a shit ton of aliens with that post credit mm-hmm. scene and so you get that it's cosmic cap is a really grounded film i understand that they're doing more like for implications of 
because uh, Shield ain't in the next fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's in space. Dude, we so, might get to see Cap punch Thanos in the third Avengers film. Just like Infinity Gauntlet. That would be awesome. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, yeah. I don't understand. I really don't understand why they wouldn't have just made them Inhumans. And because because uh, then that at least sets up an Inhuman Yeah, film. I, I don't know why they just didn't make them Inhumans. But uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I trust Joss Whedon. Yeah, and I, he, I, I'm assuming he's the one that specifically pushed to have Quicksilver and Scarlet. Well, Wars he was pushing to do it, and for any narrative, not for any narrative reason, he was pushing it because he's a comics fan, and he's like, I want fucking near founding members of the Avengers in, <laughs> in the fucking movie. I mean, he's got Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch in an action sequence together. Yeah. I mean, that's Cap's all-winner squad right there. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> it's He's doing this because he's a fan of the comics, and he's like, fuck it, I'm bringing them on. <laughs> I mean, and he's also like, I mean, the same and thing with can. Ant-Man, you know? You're like, he could, could use those characters because of an awesome loophole. I'm Joss Whedon, and I can print money. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... It's I also think... another chance for them to get gender diversity so that Widow doesn't look alone and weird on the poster. <laughs> Let's be honest. But although um, she's going to be the antagonist, because there's no way in hell that they just start off and, hey, let's go from being in Hydra to helping out the Avengers. Well, he already said the characters that we've seen, haven't seen since the last Avengers will be the focus of primarily the So focus. Hulk and Hawkeye. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't really know what a Hawkeye film would be like. I would like uh, to see. A, I would love to see like a Matt, like a, them adapt like the Matt Fraction, like in the TV series. It could be, right? it could be, it could be a weekly comedy. <laughs> Hawkeye and friends. But I mean, that's the. Uh, you say you don't know what a Hawkeye movie would look like. That's part of the reason he's probably doing it. Yeah, is that he? I, mean, can... I just don't know what. Like, would it be like? Gee, Archery's involved. Let's make a Hunger Games film. And, no, and I mean, like, the, I mean, I, I'm just too, kidding. So. I'm kidding. But I mean, like, you know what I mean? They're picking different genres out of a bag. He's he's essentially like a male less subtle version of the Black Widow. Well, that's what they've done with them so far. In the comics, he's not that at all. Obviously. I'm just saying for the purposes of the cinematic universe, I just don't know what direction they go with. Well, that's why he has so much room. You don't know know where he's going to go. That's why you use him. He has the most to room to grow, especially since you've already done an Iron Man, a Thor, and a Cat movie already. Where the hell has he been as well, as I would like to address? Like, well, which will yeah. be working yeah. at a carnival. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's... Oh, the, God. Uh, Isn't that the, in the comics? Isn't I mean, that, a good reason for Hawkeye not being around in this is that maybe he's not a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent anymore. Yeah. He did the Avengers thing. It was kind of like, well, God fucked with my mind. I'm going to take some time off. Yeah. Wait, we've seen when that did to Eric party. Selvig. Wouldn't it be funny? <laughs> no, wouldn't it be funny if, like, he's really, like, high? Like, he's really trippy. <laughs> so, like, you get, like, Starenko vision. <laughs> Like it's uh, gonna be, it, it's gonna be I, like psychedelic I, I'm colors. I'm sorry, that's an awesome reference. <laughs> Bravo! Um, when he closes his eyes, you know he doesn't get like the dots we get. He gets Kirby dots. <laughs> Kirby crackle. Yeah. Um, shit, where was I gonna go with this? I think we should probably end on this. Uh, I'm talking about Captain America by mentioning the directors. Anthony yeah. Russo and Drew Russo. I mean, they, 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 the last movie they made was You, Me, and Dupree. And then they, they've directed a bunch of television. Arrested Development, Community, community Animal uh, Practice. Which, <laughs> which, <laughs> but, I actually yeah. liked Animal Practice. So, I mean, this was, boobs in it. <laughs> this was not the type of movie you think, that's a little, I mean, we there's some community episodes, like they directed the Western episode, I yeah. believe. But, but 
which was sort of action which oriented. Which one? Uh, the paintball one or the flashback one? No, no, no. One? Justin Lin directed the paintball one. Were the they... Western one was the. Oh, I see what you're saying. Were they yeah, always? Yeah. Were they always the choice uh, for for writer or director? Well, I mean, they, they Marvel tends to go with obscure directors. Yeah, except uh, for Kenneth Branagh. Well, no, yeah, but, I mean, that, well, what they do is that they go for cheap directors. Yes. I mean, like in the uh, the same interview, Feige was talking about uh, uh, talking to Chris Evans about Hydra. You know, they went to the Russo brothers with the idea Hydra is taking over Shield, and they presented them that with the idea, yeah. and they were just like, "Holy fuck, that's amazing!" Do you know one? <laughs> do you know one weird thing about that? I would say that helps the continuity between the two films. You realize, oh, they already did this once. Because like the 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 whole double cross, we've infiltrated your secret organization thing. They did that with the SS already in the first film. That's what they just, oh, yeah, 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 they literally were just like the SS agents were like, "Are you done completing our weapons?" <laughs> it's like, "Why yes, here's your nice little gun. Would you please turn around that corner there? Yes, yes, it's nice. I'm delivering you. Bam! You're dead. And Hydra. But uh, the fact when you consider the directors, that, like all the Easter eggs make a lot of sense because you know that's. Total paper plate from the community and the rest of the development playbook. Well, oh, they, you're they right. They wanted that, Abed in yeah. to actually represent their TV work. That's what they said in a recent interview. Like that, he's there as their representation of what they've done before. Mm-hmm. So, Do you know? In that same interview, nice. the actual when quote Abed, that you said about wanting cheap a, directors, a superhero yeah. film. I think Comic Book Resources asked asked mm-hmm. Whedon about like um, or asked uh, Foggy, sorry, asked him about why have you had three comedy directors in a row? Like why have you had three directors that are known for like producing comedies or whatever? Uh, Not in a row. I'm sorry. They yeah. they mentioned three. They mentioned well, talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. A, well, They're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy and then some other thing that had just maybe been Favreau. Announced. I guess to a certain extent. Well, I mean, let's see. Favreau, Favreau Brana, Joe Johnson doesn't count. Joss Whedon kind of sort of. Maybe. I mean, yeah, I mean... I'm just saying in the context of the comedy, they mentioned the three the three names, and they're just like, so why did you go with people from comedy? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, and the direct quote was, we, it's not that we like comedy, it's like that we like the cheap direct. I thought that was, was yeah. a really funny comment, well, and yeah, just totally we, cutting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's a good article. I, 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 I'm happy that they got the Russo brothers like signed on for Captain America 3 already. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Plus, I think, like, you know, I think it's good to have, you know, directors with backgrounds in comedy because, you know, I mean, uh, comedy, you know, they, comedies live and die by the, the strength of the ensemble, and you know, I, yeah. think they, I think they can get, you know, maybe better performances, you know, by having them, you know, uh, you know, rehearse the scenes more, like, you know, develop a rapport with the other actors. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also what DC lacks is that, is that lightheartedness. Like that because again the the other movies have been so bloody serious. Yeah, DC comics that aren't really that uh, they don't have that heartedness anymore. Arrow, <laughs> I mean, because Green Arrow has always had always been funny, and like Arrow the show yeah. is not. Has Green Arrow always been funny? I, well, he does a yeah, lot of fighting has. commentary. He's he always been funny. The character, I guess. Yeah, I mean, so. before they took away his goatee, uh, Ollie yeah, was okay. normally pretty okay. funny. I mean, yeah, he had that, that harsh social. He's not funny too, yeah. on Arrow. Yeah. He's so goddamn serious in the first season. I love Arrow. It, and it's amazing, and they do so much world building in that that they somehow have not managed to do successfully anywhere else. But it's just so weird to me. Like it's like even that's like you have failed their city. That stuff, and then the I have super deep Batman voice. <laughs> it's the same bloody thing, and it's not. 
uh, it's not what what people are looking for. I don't think. I just it's it's clear with the friggin' near two billion dollar gross that they want Hulk punch thing, and also they don't puny they don't God. puny <laughs> God. They don't want it to be. It's not. They want you to acknowledge that yes, you are working off off of off of something that is culturally relevant, but it's also a, it's a comic book. It's meant to be fun. Mm-hmm. It isn't that it, you can tell a good story and still have it be fun. In fact, that should be a prerequisite for telling a good story. Is it should be fun. You should have an entertaining. I mean, a, unless you're doing core. Schindler's List. Unless you're doing <laughs> Schindler's List. Although Schindler's List, the musical. I mean, it could it could work. Schindler's List on ice. <laughs> but uh, uh, we lost our I, one Israeli viewer. I think now. <laughs> I, th- I, I think it's sort of interesting to bring up that fact because it's. I think Monday. Like, I thought this was already confirmed, but I, there were several news stories that popped up to confirm Captain America 3 is coming out the first weekend of May against Superman. And they're Batman. finding it, and you know what? I bet it's going to kick its ass. I don't know. That's uh, awfully I mean, tough. It, it's tough to a certain degree, but in my opinion, I'd go see a Captain America movie first before I go see yeah, I'm gonna. It's I'll not even both. a question. Yeah, I mean, I'll go see both, but I'll if, see both that weekend. But but the first one I'd go see is Captain is America. Cap, yeah. yeah, it's unquestioned. First of all, it's further. It's going to be advancing a story. I know it's going to continue. I don't know when they're going to fucking make a Justice League movie. Like they talked about, <laughs> Kim Foggy said like that they have a plan till 2028 that they printed out. He said yeah. it's blurry. It's like looking through the Hubble telescope. Yeah, I, mean, I can we, kind of see it. We've got these vague ideas. We we want to get to eventually. <laughs> My thing with DC is they probably. Probably have 2028 as the said date for the, <laughs> for the fucking release of the Justice League. No, that's a Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, there's Marjorie Marjorie Liu, the the Marvel writer who who humble brag is on my panel this month. Um, she had a quote that from some kind of I don't know where she pulled it, but she's like, I think it's going to be fucking hilarious if we have a Squirrel Girl movie before you have a Wonder Woman movie. <laughs> well, I find it funny we have a movie with a giant talking raccoon in it. Well, not giant, but a talking raccoon in it before DC got a Wonder Woman movie. Made. Yeah, because they think that audiences will have trouble relating to the material. David. Yeah, it's, I mean, a woman who fights crime. <laughs> who's an gonna, Amazon? Who's some sort of Greek goddess? Isn't that going to get in the way with her? Uh, they just uh, in <laughs> the kitchen. Even, even, yeah. they're, even they're, they're even having Ridiculous. issues with the like. Well, what if we had it in the 1940s? Captain America just had a 200 million dollar opening weekend. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, people. Like, I don't know what will get it through their thick skulls. I would watch any of these movies. I would watch the, the Wonder Woman movie in the 1940s. I'm sure that would be amazing. I would watch a 300-esque movie where she's fighting all these mythical beasts on in, for to save to save the, the Amazons from, like, invasion from the Titans or something. I'm sure it would be better than both of the shitty Wrath of the Titans films. I mean... Sword and sandal epics are huge, huge box office grocers. Like what? Uh, because it's a woman that people want. No, they will see I mean, it. Essentially, I don't can, understand it at all. They they did. I mean, Wonder Woman essentially is Thor. I mean, she is from a different culture that comes into ours, and, and she you, kills. She's uh, Thor and Captain America. Yeah, yeah. This should be a positive for you. Yeah, <laughs> you can do. A you Wonder should Woman see movie. only dollar signs. <laughs> Just imagine, you know, uh, like your. Imagine her like drink, having beer for the first time. This drink, I like it. <laughs> Another one. Well, we saw with Seth on Agents of Shield and how popular her appearance. She boosted the fucking ratings. Just having a female superhero on Agents of Shield boosted the ratings. Yeah. It happens because oh, I don't know. Women read comics. Women watch TV. Women are majority of the movie going audience. <laughs> majority. That means dollar sign. Mm-hmm. And for the love of Christ, anything is better than Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> so, where do you guys want to want to see things go from here? 
Well, because I'm biased because I interviewed the person who they said will be the potential plot. I kind of, after talking to him, really want, want that to be cap? the plot. No, no, I want 50s cap, not 50s cap there, but like, I want what he, how he phrased it. He wanted, he wanted to show I a cap 50, that's of his time. 50s cap doesn't actually make any sense. No, no, not 50s cap, but they're talking about, it would probably be contemporary. Like, it would have been like a super exper- soldier experiment from the 80s. Blonsky? Maybe it's a, com- maybe it's a, not, not Blonsky, because <laughs> like, he's already abomination. Nuke could work. No, they, they're yeah. saying like they would keep the name because they mentioned the name in the in there. Well, Nuke is essentially Ooh. he was introduced in Frank Miller's uh, Daredevil: Born Again as sort of the antithesis to Captain America in the no. sense that he's the super soldier that we created after World War Ooh, II. I, I know how they could do it actually. All right, uh, you know, you know, we assume that like um, maybe you. If the Wonder Soldiers with Captain, they might you know explore like you know the Russian stuff, and they might say that for a solo movie. But because uh, him being you know, the Russian super soldier, what if this uh, commie smasher cap was created in the eighties uh, by by the Reagan White House? That's what I was trying to get to. As, yeah, as, as, a, you know, as a physical manifestation of you know Mr. Gorbachev, tear down your wall. A man of his time, rather than a man out of time, and that was the that. quote that I liked, and that that just clicked instantly with me. I'm like, because then you have two opposing ideals of what it means to be America, and you're like. Gordon this is what this character is about. He can reflect on any period of time because he's the things that we truly don't want to ever change about our feelings about America. But our, the problem is that America changes whether we want it to or not. And so that 80s cap, there might be some, even some good things about him, except he's still batshit insane. Just like that, 80, that 50s communist guy was. Because he was of his time. He was irrational. He was made out of an irrational fear. I mean, I like the idea of it, but I feel as if it would be too much of a retcon. Just yeah. how? Well, I mean, maybe you introduce him with this Peggy Carter series. Maybe you introduce him as the fifty. Maybe they really did need know. to dig I, up somebody because of they, morale. They boost. specifically go through a Smithsonian exhibit talking about Captain America, and they just they would have had to have him in there. It, it's a weird. What, what if what if he's like a, a the U.S. equivalent of the Winter Soldier, where like he's a shadowy figure? Yeah, they did have a thing. I mean, because they like explained US agent. Yeah, yeah. I I would be okay with that. I think specifically calling him Captain America and having him act as that would be really odd. Well, they had, um, in his run, I guess he said that he came up with a reason why no one ever mentioned it to Cap. And so there was some kind of not internal retcon. Because it wasn't a retcon at that point. Like he said, it was 11 years old. The Marvel Universe was 11 years old. It was just a bug. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And so he's just like, oh, well, I can come up with a reason why nobody's mentioned this to Cap, and then it'll be fine. But he made it more interesting than that. And yeah, I don't know. I just think that, that those Spider-Man ch- in the '90s with the Clone Saga. <laughs> <laughs> but just I'm just saying, like two, two opposing visions of America. Like this is a totemic creature. This is. He's got America in his name, guys. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I think that's a cool thing. I don't, uh, hmm. I don't know. De- the third Captain America movie definitely has to deal with him hunting down the Winter Soldier and maybe Nomad, maybe that instead. I mean, because you can can you see him like throwing it off because Shield doesn't exist anymore. Well, he's not a fan of the U.S. government. Maybe he walks around and he's he's well, roaming America looking Captain for America the Winter Soldier. Co- we know he's in the Captain America costume for the Avengers. Oh, yeah, that's true. Seen costume, yeah, yeah. Which he no longer has the Shield logo, but an Avengers A. Ah. Yeah. Which I I think part of the thing Black Widow kind of set up at the end of Captain America too was that you need us. Yeah. to protect the world, yeah. which I think puts the Avengers up more as 
like instead of having shield protect the world the initiative it's, <laughs> it's it's these particular characters yeah. that are doing so yeah, that are acting was the insight initiative or insight project actually something from the comics no or project insight not that i'm aware of yeah not that i'm aware of you know insight sounds an awful lot like vision and they have this intelligent algorithm I'm just oh, saying. that's an interesting thought, actually. Well, Jarvis. they've got Paul Bettany doing Vision. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, not the thing Jarvis is going to be. Vision I'm just saying, I, if not Jarvis, I think the thing that this living algorithm would tie into is obviously Ultron. Well, I yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that's true. That's well, that was Ultron. actually my immediate thought before Arnim Zola popped up on the screen. Yeah, is that Ultron? Is this, it is might have it? been better, but maybe that would have been too much to introduce. Yeah, I, I loved seeing Zola, even though that was evidently on the cutting like cutting room floor. They were tempted to cut that. That was so cool. How do they cut that? I don't know. I love his reference to. He's like, I'm he's, saved on um, a hundred million feet. A of big info dump. Yeah. He's the connection between Hydra and Captain yeah. America one, two, two. They would have done something different, I guess. I also, like knowing Cap's birthday. Yeah, I like July that he was 4th. on July fourth, nineteen eighteen. I thought that was a cool mention. <laughs> when was, how old is Scarlett? Johansson? How old is she? That's funny that they did their the birth. I like. I, I like that he just looks at them with the video camera and he's like, "This is your birthday." <laughs> it's such a weird way to introduce yourself. Like, I get. I love seeing Zola though, I mean, especially in that form, mm. just because I was yeah, kind of hoping to see him and they even had a little camera on top. I was hoping to see him come out. That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> Maybe yeah. they'll do that for the next movie because clearly you can't really kill a computer. Yeah. Do you know what the the thing that reminded me of because of the actor, um, because he's also Dobby. Really? It also it just and reminded me and the Dream Lord. It reminded me of Dobby's speech about Dobby didn't want to hurt anyone. <laughs> he just or not kill, he just wanted to horribly maim. <laughs> so know, that was playing through my head the whole time uh, he was here. Well there. I would love to see given the Furies going off to Europe, I would love Secret Warriors. Or at least something close to that. I think that'd be it a lot of fun. Neat, yeah. So like a, a new Avengers initiative underneath Nick Fury in in Europe. Where right. he goes and uses, you know, other people with superpowers. Yeah. To it's a way to expand the universe and the oh, way yeah. that they go cosmic, let's go international because S.H.I.E.L.D. is supposedly this international organization. Yeah. We've only seen heroes from America and yeah. technically Russia with, uh, or <laughs> technically Ukraine with, with, uh, with her, but that's and Asgard. it. And Asgard. Okay. Okay. Think- nine realms. I'm not talking about diversity from the nine realms. I'm talking about there being more than one country. At least some British Does superheroes. Does Captain Britain? Or is he underneath the X-Men? He would probably... He's a mutant, isn't he? Yeah. So they wouldn't be able to, have to use him he's at all. No, he, he gets his power from, like, uh, The Albion, multiverse like, or something. Oh, he's like a, oh yeah. yeah, he's, he's like, like a Merlin. green yeah, okay, okay. the multiverse. Yeah. Okay. So, he gets yeah. power from England, I think. Like, yeah. Merlin, I think. No, yeah, we, right. we do know, sadly, there can be no Squirrel John Lennon. <laughs> Chitari John Lennon wouldn't have shape-shifting powers, though. So that would just look weird. It would just be a Chitari. Oh, again. That would be funny, though, a Chitari that had John Lennon's voice. I I think Secret Warriors could be fun. Ooh, and the magic of editing, guys. (laughs) Well, they don't know that. We could have just had a video and they would never have known. But that's not our style. That's not our style. Yeah. We're like the Muppet Show. You can see backstage. I do it quite often, actually. (laughs) Do you guys not realize how much I edit? Honestly. Only literally when you call it out. Like, yeah. most of the time you make jokes about how little you edit, and then you get um, take umbrage when we make jokes about how little you edit. Yeah. And then that's when you point out that you edit. So literally the only time that we realize that you've edited is when you call attention to the fact that you've done so. Yeah, and it also doesn't help that normally... No one re-listens to the episodes. Yeah, not re-listens. I was here for the conversation. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, and it's not in your face. It's just conversational pieces that might be cut out. I also don't like listening to my voice. So. <laughs> I've got to mine. I'm used to games, too. <laughs> This eventually, like this, pa- this it's not even passive aggressive. It's just aggressive aggressive. <laughs> I'm just gonna explode, and it's not going to be pleasant. David's gone from uh, David slowly, slowly shifting from Liebensrom to you know, fuck, fuck it, I'm invading Poland. No, Gabe, I'm just giving you shit because yeah. you haven't been on in weeks. Even though you know when we record every week. No, you've given me shit every chance that you've had. I like know. when we've done a recording. <laughs> like we were at the we were, we're doing with interview or something. And like, oh, there's more talking than usual. Gee, guess. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing. You you've just coordinated us having a panel appearance. This is really awesome. I'm going to shit on you at every opportunity <laughs> that I have at this panel. <laughs> Gabe, the thing to keep in mind is, you know. Uh, we're not, all, we're not really friends with you. We're we're well wishers in that we don't wish you any specific harm. <laughs> You just, you, just ruin, you just rip the, the veil off of my reality. No, Gabe, I'm just giving you shit. <laughs> it's only because I love you. Oh. Uh, I want to hug you. Oh. We had an entire episode about Veronica Mars in which we had our own mystery going on where Andrew was missing. <laughs> so, and we thought he was dead the entire time. Dude, I, I, I propose. We make, we, we, we make, well, I make references of how they're going to start... Sm- having a smell come from his room and that's how he had a week later. I had this idea for, for how we could bring morning. Chris on because in, and I don't think anybody liked this idea so that's probably why it didn't happen because it was a bad idea but I'm still going to share it. Or but, we were lazy. Yeah, but the idea was like um, if we did one of those, if we did like a small skit or segment to talk about Chris as like as the other Crowley like uh, why he no, was there? I can't even. I can't even allow that. I can't even remember why it was there. No, we were gonna have <laughs> the the end of the skit was gonna be Andrew murdering him and saying there can be only one. <laughs> only if it happens in real life. Wow. Well, can I talk bad about his girlfriend on here? No, I prefer not to. No, I have to live with him. Uh, See, we were just making we were making the analogy of the Pacers locker room. Like usually, David just decides like he's gonna air whatever emotional trauma. Be more like David West. He doesn't talk yeah, shit about. Be more like the David West that people admire. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was that was that no, was actually no, that's rough. Perfect. Uh, that's perfect. Uh, David, I'm really concerned about you. Uh, I, you look kind of burned. Would you like some aloe vera? No, that's fine. I can no. take it. No. So, Andrew, what would you like to see happen? <laughs> Just yeah, we were talking about what we want to see happen for the Marvel Universe going forward and for Cap 3. Oh, I, I thought you meant in general. I was going to say, well, I'd like to open up a meth lab. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's in the next Godzilla film. It's already covered. <laughs> Sequel to Breaking Bad with the blue meth in season one? I think people try too hard. I think that's just the funny Easter egg. You know, yeah, the phrase. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as far as the Marvel Universe, uh, I would love to see, like, uh, I think it'd be kind of cool uh, to get Black Panther on screen. Uh, mm. I would lo- it'd be cool to do, like, a Black Panther solo film. Well, I, I think he lends himself to more to Netflix, honestly. I mm-hmm. do. For one of those series. Do you see him in The Defenders? Possibly. I know Valkyrie is a character from Asgard. I mean, she was in the Defenders, and I think they had Valkyrie concept art for Thor: The Dark World, but they just and I think they cast someone. They just didn't do it. They just didn't end up doing anything. Basically, what I like to see with the Marvel universe is you know more diversity, you know more women, more people of color. That's why I brought up Valkyrie. Yeah, I would. But let's just skip it. Let's just skip the diversity train and let's just make Katie Sackhoff Captain Marvel. Why, um, eh, Katie, why not? Sackoff, but I don't know. She's perfect she, for Miss Marvel. Why not just make her you. Captain Marvel? <laughs> why not just make her Captain Marvel? Yeah, just yeah, skip yeah. to having I, the dude. I, I, I'm going to be really blunt and like 
uh, Gabe right then and just say fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Sorry. Because he just doesn't like Katie Sackhoff. I, I like Katie Sackhoff. I just don't. I don't know. I don't necessarily. That's see Katie. Uh, that's Captain Marvel. Yeah. Personality and attitude wise. They have. It's like. That. I'm sorry. It's like. Samuel L. Jackson. They've shaped the character to resemble her yeah, <laughs> in the comics. Like it's literally like right, it's yeah, like no. Terry Crews playing playing um, uh, in in the defender. Or Terry Crews playing Power. I know it's no, not official, I, but he's too old in my opinion. I think it's either him or um, who's the guy who was who. Uh, oh, I Michael think Michael Oh uh, no, I think I, they're all old. I kind of want. I don't know. They're not Luke Cage to me yet. And he's, Terry, uh, I don't know. I think Terry Crews or or either of those guys. I, I would see. love to see. Uh, I'd love to see like. Uh, I know it'll probably be like in the Netflix stuff. It'd be cool to like you know get a Master of Kung Fu Iron Fist film. Well, Shang Chi. I mean, I can. I was well, talking about that. They're going to do the show, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't he one of those things. He's good. not Shang Chi, but I mean, um, Iron Fist is. Santa's and yeah. so there's no way that you do Iron Fist and Shang Chi is not going to be in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I kind of disagree with Black Panther being. A Netflix movie. I think he yeah, should I, be a solo temple release. Yeah, I, I think just think you, the problem is that. you can't call it Black Panther. You're not going to call it T'Challa. Why not? They call Captain America Captain America in other countries. They're totally going to call it Black Panther. I don't know. I mean, they're going to call. They're going to call it Black Panther. But that, I think At that's the thing point, that's been scaring them away the from fuck doing they it. They want. You're right. Call it Black you know what? Panther. You're right. <laughs> it's like we were complaining about the Wonder Woman movie. Where this is the same thing. It's like I don't know. It's got black in the name. Yeah. Our is like fuck that. It's what he. I mean, yeah. Let's just do it. I mean, they can easily like you know spin it off, spin them out of like like maybe the next cap or something. Are they allowed to even have Wakanda? Though? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They shot it. Yeah, they tend. They've alluded to it in the map. Yeah, yeah, and vibranium that and vibranium, exists. Yeah. Mm. That's a one condom metal. Yeah. Do they have like that was one of the funnier things I like about Arrow is like I guess D- I'd forgotten that DC had a shit ton of fake countries. <laughs> Arrow, Arrow makes literal use of geography. They're like they're like we're near Afghanistan. Let's let, there's That's a kind of Kandak. The, uh, uh, when they did a JLA Avengers crossover, like. A decade ago or more at this point. Oh yeah, in like '95, I think. Uh, yeah. No, it wasn't '95. It was when we started reading comics. Okay, that. Oh, it was, it was yeah. Kurt Brusiak and uh, George Perez, and yeah, when they the world like they were comparing the DC Earth to the Marvel Earth, <laughs> and the Marvel Earth. Well, when the, the Avengers came over, somebody was just kind of like their world is bigger a little bit. Like they've got these countries and these extra cities that we don't. Have. <laughs> Are they talking about DC or Marvel? <laughs> well, yeah, they're talking about DC because they got Metropolis and Gotham City and stuff. Yeah, as well as New York. Yeah, yeah like the Chicago. population of America has got to be like six hundred million in, in the DC universe. <laughs> oh, I thought I was thinking of. I was thinking of Marvel versus DC. Oh yeah, the amalgam bullshit. Yeah, yeah, from but, the nineties. Although yeah. to be fair, Marvel has invented a t- a many baronies. They're keeping the baronies and duchies alive as geographical regions. <laughs> um, Doomstock. But yeah, I guess I know, my thing about what I want to see Marvel do in the future is more than two movies a year. Whatever they're saying though. that they're saying yeah, they want to expand to three at least. Well, uh, hopefully, like I like that Feige said, it's kind of hard enough putting out two quality movies a year, yeah. <laughs> which kind of makes me happy to a certain degree because he's worried about. I don't want to push out product just for the sake of pushing out product. I, at least he's aware. I mean, at least he's aware. Of, like we've mentioned before, the content. Mm. He's aware of how he can mine it. Like the fa- even Guardians of the Galaxy. 
as I mean, obscure as that. I mean, it's not obscure. I get well, that it's not obscure, but it is still fucking obscure. Yeah, okay, Don't pretend yeah, yeah. that it's, it's definitely. Not. Obs- I have never read a Guardians of the Galaxy comic until Bendis started writing it like last year. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's how obscure it is. I haven't even well, fucking this year's read only it been around yeah. since 2008 when I this version of the Guardians. Yeah, when it, it I was one of those things that was introduced in like the 70s or something. It was dropped off of the Earth yeah. until uh, uh, Abnett and Lanning brought it back up during the the, the cosmic yeah. renaissance. Oh, well, actually, oh also, really you mentioned Kurt Busiek. Awesome. Yeah. Humble brag. He retweeted me and tweeted me the other day. I know there was yeah. out of the Clark out of the Greg blue. Favorite in my tweet. Yeah, that's the bigger <laughs> humble brag. Clark Gregg was the uh, bigger humble. Oh, brag. another thing I would like to see them do. I think it would be great if they could, you know. You know, partner with you know Sony and Fox to integrate yeah. like the mutants. Yeah, of course, and Spider-Man. Well, uh, the mutants would be really fucking let's, hard. At this let's point. talk oh, yeah. about the fact that the of all the cinematic universes and world building, the most fucked up is the X Men cinematic universe because it's got it doesn't have a continuity. No, it doesn't. Well, and I kind of don't give a shit to the extent where the, my favorite like, films are the ones David that just say fuck all to continuity first class because it doesn't mesh up with. The I other love action. it. It's my favorite movie. Yeah, it's the first best class X-Men and movie. the Wolverine are my favorite. X-Men movies. I, I, I know X2 is great. It's nice. It's called the yeah, one. I'm sorry. Class First Class is, is the best amazing. X-Men movie. First Class is goddamn Even the amazing. trailer for, like, I, I get that they're gonna. it's going to be a lot oh, harder Lord, to... Andrew's cringing at that fact. He's cringing. He He's doesn't like this. He's cringing at that fact. I'm just I amazed that I agree with David on something. I didn't love it, though. I thought oh, it was amazing. You had the most amazing moment ever when you sing, when it synced to Super 8. So don't tell me that you don't love that, that movie. That was pretty cool. Well, well yeah, cool. but, but it, like, I, I just... I like it, but it's not... Uh, it it had the me. most... It made it sense. Like, it made the most sense to me the in the world. I that movie. What, or Xavier's, the Xavier well, being shot yeah, thing? Xavier being shot, the breakup of the friendship that should not have happened in that movie. Well, uh, considering that the plan seems to be now that the jumping decades... Yeah. It kind of makes sense. Which, by the way, I want them to have a '90s X-Men movie because that would oh, be God, so. No. It'd be so pure cheesiness. <laughs> it'd be so amazing. But uh, uh, Apocalypse, yeah. Age of Apocalypse. Well, so that's the next one in the '80s. Oh God. Yeah, Apocalypse is the '80s one. They're talking about Dazzler already. Oh God. Oh God. I'm sorry. I, I uh, Brian said- Singer is going to direct it. So hopefully, and then yeah. uh, what's his face who worked who, who worked for Marvel who like was uh, responsible for like the Essential Dazzler? I'm trying to think of that. I don't know. Oh, oh Jim, 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 Jim McCann. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What was I? Oh, uh, yeah. The, the let's, thing... let's hope Kevin Feige doesn't go as deep as Dazzler. That's my <laughs> he hope. He can't. <laughs> well, I mean, he can't. But I'm just maybe. maybe you know what? Maybe there's a benefit to them. Maybe in a weird way, the fact that they've been cut off from some other universe has been a huge blessing in disguise because they're looking at properties and seeing potential that they otherwise wouldn't have. And it's also making it less convoluted. If you have to have major tentpole releases like Fantastic Four, X-Men, along with everybody in the Avengers as a solo film, you don't have the time in the world to do it. Yeah. I think maybe the reason that this is this little experiment has worked, even though everybody's like, well, I want Spidey. Well, that would be fun. Well, it would be great. But no, it's. I think they know what they're doing. I think Sony's willing to work with people to an extent. Uh, did you know Wolverine was supposed to have a cameo in Spider-Man? And his costume just didn't get to set on time. That came out of Hugh Jackman's mouth. I haven't he heard it, it but Spider-Man. I didn't. I don't know if I can independently verify that, but well, I'll trust you. I, I'm, I'm assuming it was kind of like how Thomas Jane briefly appears in one of the Spider-Man films as the Punisher. Like split second, he's in that movie. That seems like that Harlem universe. I mean, or not Harlem. I'm sorry, just that Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen is what, Kitchen is what I was trying to say. <laughs> 
I, I don't know why I said that. Like, I did that in the interview. with like, I'm just trying to think of New York neighborhoods and whatever reason that's stuck. And I can't say Hell's Kitchen. But yes, the Hell's Kitchen thing, like, it's weird to me that it doesn't have Spidey to a certain extent. Like, I feel like that... Well, like, more like a, you know, yeah, a force Queen, Queens, but yeah. he deals and with Daredevil so often. I mean, yeah. T- I mean, and the Kingpin when as Bendis, an overarching like, thing. puts Daredevil in a group, it's normally with Spider-Man, uh, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. Yeah. So I kind of understand that, but... That's um, the, like, if you were... This is the only time, less than in the Avengers. I, I get that he's been on many Avengers teams, but like that would be the one, the New York team. Would well, be the the Defenders would be kind of neat. That would be. Was I, I would love a Daredevil in Avengers. Yeah, they were actually trying to put Oscorp in the skyline in the Avengers. I've heard that because like they're supposed to say like Oscorp Tower is, but they c- they couldn't get the as the Trump building right. Because, I mean, it's in the fucking other film. It's in Fantastic Spider-Man as the Oscorp. I mean, Amazing Spider-Man. God damn it. I'm sorry. Yeah, they couldn't get the CG render done in time. But, yeah, they were planning on at least putting that building in. It's They lucked out by the fact that the Oscorp Tower in Amazing Spider-Man is the fucking awful Trump Tower. Mm. Well, you know, uh, in, in my set of Marvel movies upstairs, I have... Amazing Spider-Man in with my Marvel movies just so it works in my head uh, that it could exist right there just yep. in case they managed to uh, but, have an Easter egg or something. I think the, the thing Marvel's, the, the, the biggest property they're missing from their universe is Fantastic Four. Uh, yeah. Not just Spider-Man, but I think Fantastic Four done by Marvel instead of Fox would be would better. It, yeah, would be an amazing movie. I, the one thing I think I think that that makes the best outside of Mar- outside of this continuity. I know that okay, the X Men continuity is is yeah, the X Men should obviously should always be but, like the- <laughs> right. I, I actually had an but, idea. Let Andrew make his point because I said but too many times. <laughs> I actually had an idea like uh, like the the direction like a Marvel Fantastic Four movie could go. Uh, Depending on how Guardians of the Galaxy goes, uh, like you know, if that hits a uh, spot, that, you know, if that scratches an itch, you know, they could do like the weird science team thing. But uh, mm-hmm. sometimes, like, like uh, just imagine, like you know, Mike Allred being the concept artist for a Fantastic Four. <laughs> oh, do you know what? That the one amazing. The one thing I think that um, talking about Fantastic Four characters and how they would interact with the Avengers was isn't like um, was it Kang the Conqueror or whatever? Uh-huh. Isn't he? Uh, isn't he a? Is he technically an Avengers yeah, character, Avengers villain, even though he's a Richards? Isn't he like a future Richards know, or whatever? Ooh. He's from the year three thousand. He's isn't Which... he a Richards? Oh. Well, he he, he showed up Iron Lad, right? Well, he showed up in Avengers yeah. first. Yeah. So I oh, mean, he shows up in oh, continuity oh, with them yes, first. Uh, but yeah. I think he's literally yes, a like Richards. A, yeah, the, the, the Fantastic Four villain, uh, King Tut, or like the the, the Pharaoh guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, that's or whatever. They fucking connected him, but Kang the Conqueror is an Avengers character. Yeah. He's a cosmic... Wise. He's a cosmic character, but then also isn't... I'm, I'm forgetting the actual name, but but the, Mr. Fantastic's dad is a contemporary with Howard Stark, right? He's yeah, another Richard, super scientist yeah. from the 40s and yeah, 50s. Yeah, they were both invents in time, Invents time travel, founder of S.H.I.E.L.D., all mm-hmm. that good stuff. I almost wonder, like, if they do the 1950s series, which I'm, I think that's almost that, and the Netflix stuff is more exciting to me even than the films, just because they've been amazing. But we've never had this experiment before. We've never had films interacting with TV before in this way, and so that, in a way, this whole like meta thing is what blows my mind. Everybody forgets X Files. No, no, they don't forget. They just don't care, David. (laughs) X Files did it. I'm pretty sure I don't care. I love the X Files. 
Well, that doesn't count. Also, the show was over when the movies came out. No, they weren't. Weren't they? Sorry, no. No, the, the, the first, first movie came out, and then they did a couple more seasons. Oh, yeah. Well, like, I I've, heard, I've heard the complaint that the show should have ended with the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Oh, yeah, because they carry, I'm forgetting the, about the black goop and all that well, stuff. Yes. It should have right. ended yeah. when, when Duchovny left, which was well, three he, seasons after the movie. So. Now, this is how you know we're a nerdy podcast. Is I love the X-Files. We've had, like, seven Mass Effect references, and now we're talking about the X-Files in an episode presumably about the Winter Soldier. I just watched, uh, it was on cable, uh, TV the other, the other okay. day, I watched the Springfield Files episode of The oh, Simpsons. Nice. <laughs> uh, I bring you peace and right, we're gonna We're gonna wrap this up real quick, I guess. But yeah, not on I, this note, because this is the weirdest place to well, friggin' end. I have to go. Okay, so, yeah. alright. I'm gonna go? Alright, later, sir. We'll wrap this up. Okay, have fun. Yeah, yeah, go. Peace, motherfucker! <laughs> uh... <laughs> How long have we been doing this? Long. Uh, 33 minutes. It's okay. Okay. It's yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll take it. We haven't had one this long in a long time. Yeah. And then she said, Oh! David, I, I mean, David this I, is when you can actually make a factual snipe that they are longer because I make you to go on ranting spiels. Well, there's also, like, okay, how long is your angle? E- uh, it's a 30-minute thing. See, so you can make it a two-hour episode. Okay, you want to split yeah, it into two? Heard, yeah, I heard you guys talking about whether people listen to, like, hour-long yeah. podcasts. I, I listen to two hours. I, I don't care the length of the podcast as long as I think they're good. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is an insightful episode. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I'm okay with us doing this for two reasons. One, we joke about our branding, like, that our guests are the epic, and then we're the kind of. <laughs> In this case, like, we've been talking about Captain America... Okay, we'll let the guy who literally saved Captain America from cancellation in the 60s during the Vietnam era talk about Cap, oh, why he's uh, important as a character. I actually another thought about, like, uh, Oh, and also the inventor of Star-Lord with Guardians of the Galaxy coming up. A brief return, like, talking about, like, the, you know, like, how people are surprised at how progressive uh, Steve Bye, Rogers David. is. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, think of another, uh, like, I was thinking of his contemporary, like, uh, like a real-world person, uh, like, you know, who grew up in the same age, but different background, yeah, you know, upper-middle class. Uh, he just recently passed away. Pete Seeger. Hmm. You know, it's still like, you know... Hate America's balladeer, yeah. But, uh, so yeah, I, I think... Mickey I, Rooney fought in World War Two. I think it's, you know, kind of naive to th- assume that, you know, like, you know, that uh, people from certain generations, uh, you know, like, just because, you know, they're, they live before us, you know, that they're more ignorant than us. And it's silly to, you know, treat them as, like, a, this monolithic entity, you know. Because mm-hmm. there were people, like, you know, uh, for example, like, uh, in the 19th century, uh, you know, slavery, for the most part, you know, was, you know... Yeah, that was a thing, you know, but, you know, there's abolitionists that existed, you know, the tide changes slowly, but... Like, um, the, my favorite character in Lincoln was the character that was played by, uh, talking about a Marvel guy, um, that was played... Why am I forgetting his name? James, James Earl Jones, or why am I... Lincoln? No, no, why not... Oh, pause for James a second. Bader? No, pause, hit pause. Was it, uh, Anthony Nett? Was he in that? No, no, the... He was in the Vampire Hunter. I can never... Why did I never and say he was in, uh, the Hurt Locker. Maybe that's why they... Cast him as a falcon. He was also in Painting Game. I'm forgetting his name. The guy, the freaking fugitive guy. Why am I forgetting his in name? Lincoln? Yes. The, or Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Pause, pause, because this is really embarrassing. I'm going can through we, emotional can distress. Can we just move on? What? Yeah, well, yes, because this we'll, makes me we'll look move bad. On. We'll move, we'll move on. on. Um, Andrew's Googling. Uh, what haven't we talked about? I feel like we haven't talked about stuff. In Captain America? Well, in general. Well, well, there's a lot of nerdy stuff that happened. We aren't even going to touch yeah, on yeah, Game of Thrones. Yeah, we right. aren't even going to touch on Community, Anything. apparently. Um, but I, I would like to see... Uh, I, I want S.H.I.E.L.D., which is probably what it's going to be, them being a task force to take down Hydra, Sleeper Cells, or 
fractions of Hydra that are still around. I can't believe it eluded me so long. Tommy Lee Jones is what I was trying to oh, say. Wow. His character. Wow. I don't. That's why it was so embarrassing. It's like this is somebody. Obviously, I know who this is. His name just went out of my head. It's Pasquevu. It's a French term for when that really annoying fucking feeling something's on the tip of your tongue. But yeah, like his character in Lincoln that had super progressive views. People thought he was an evil man in his time because of his progressive views. They thought he was literally evil. And you look back and you're like. No, that's the most morally sensible man in a crazy world. But yeah, but I don't think Cap is that. I don't think Cap is a morally sensitive man in a crazy world. I think he's just an intrinsically good person who he makes things black and white. Like in a in a movie like The Winter Soldier, he simplifies things. He like like when when he takes down Shield because when he says something, and like just like Agent Thirteen is like. If you're asking us to hunt down Captain fucking America, you're going to need to give us a good reason. I don't care that I'm a S.H.I.E.L.D. operative. His name is Captain America. You know, I ca- was she still Peggy Carter? Yes, but they Captain don't mention Santa it in Carter? the film. They, she, that, her character is the least underdeveloped in the entire thing. I agree, but that gives her room for, for sequel. They mention her aunt. She's on the cell phone, and she's like, I'm sorry, my aunt has no sense of timing or something yeah. like that. And they've also just mentioned, although I think that's kind of a sad thing to say, because they've just showed show that she has severe dementia and Alzheimer's, so that was actually not that funny. But then again, she might not have been talking to her to Peggy. She might have been talking to another aunt, but I think it's supposed to be a coy reference to the fact that, yeah. yeah. Possibly. But why didn't they just come out and say Peggy Carter or Sharon Carter? Because they're not a love interest. I mean, I think that they would want to make it explicit when... I'm assuming she's the love interest for the next film. Why didn't they say Sharon Carter? Well, I think, like, calling her Agent 13, I think that was enough. Well, yeah. But only for fans of the comics. Yeah. Cat doesn't know her last name. Well, you know, well, maybe it's, uh, maybe she's like, you know, because, you know, that could, you know, uh, that would, you know, maybe compromise her, you know, her ability to, you know, watch Cap, uh, like... Oh, her identity. I guess that makes sense. Maybe, like, maybe like you know, the, Shield doesn't exist anymore. Well, yeah, so maybe, maybe they'll come out in the sequel or, like, you know, the Winter Soldier films. Yeah. If they... True. I do, I do really like that moment, where you truly believe, like, when he says that speech, like, I, I teared up a little. Because it's like, it's not that, it's not like an overbearing speech or whatever, but it's like a gung-ho Americana thing that if it was coming from any other person, like, you wouldn't believe it. But then when the person is like, Cap, sorry, Cap's orders, or Captain's orders, yeah. you're just like, damn it, no. I shouldn't feel all mushy inside, but I do. Uh, one last thing here, before we uh, wrap up and go to the interview. Um, evidently a lot of people were actually surprised that Bucky was the Winter Soldier. Well, I yeah, feel like we it's the worst it reveal yeah, we, in comics. We find it funny. Because when you read comics, we know this. I don't, and I knew it. But there were guys at work that were just like, oh my god, I, I had no idea. I, that, that caught me by surprise. I mean, they, Do you they, feel like they should have spent more time with Bucky in the first movie? Like, establishing him as a character and also establishing maybe, the Zola maybe, stuff? Maybe in the first one. But, no, I, I love the fact that they briefly hinted what Zola was doing. Like, they even mentioned that in the commentary, that they intentionally put that there. And, and like, I mean, even, there's even hints that, like, you know, Bucky's going to be involved in some way, like, when Cap goes to the Cap exhibit, you know, he lingers on the, you know, the, the James Barnes uh, piece yeah. of the exhibit. Yeah, but they had to add a flashback to the film because otherwise how the special nature of their relationship didn't really resonate. And that's I mean, a problem. I mean, you could, film, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you could, that's a problem. I, I don't think so. Cause, I mean, you kind of get a hint of There's a, too much to fill in the film otherwise. In the, though, fir- in the first film, you kind of get the hint of, you know, the, 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 the deep roots. Like, I mean, like, oh, especially at the, the when, World's when he, Fair. And, yeah, when, when he pulls them off. Like, you don't the realize guy. that they're living with each other, for instance, though. 
I mean, that's just that's just you know mining it. I mean, they, they just don't, you don't know that Cap's family's dead. You, you don't know, know any you of the know background stuff. About Captain America, you do, but you yeah. But um, as an audience member, you don't like you like you're talking about how Actually, I feel like I feel like in the first Cap movie, it's they don't come out and say that his parents are dead, but I feel like it's pretty much evident, like. Just their lack of mention. Because I, 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 I want to say, I want to say that like when they're you know looking for candidates for the project, they look at like you know orphans and stuff like yeah. that. Maybe. Uh, oh, okay, and, you're right. It's, it's not. Things, I just want to say they don't beat it over the head. They don't make it obvious in any way. As, as one of the things, but you know they also look like you know candidates you know who might like be like physically his impressive. birthday too, which I, I do love. July Fourth, nineteen eighteen. So the yeah. end of World War One, and he's World War Two's greatest hero. Yeah, I like that too. Which, I mean, some of the, the history is that his dad died as a war hero. There's also, well, like, an so. aborted thing where they took it out of the Marvel continuity, I believe, but that, that he had a brother who died at Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. That was a com- that was a thing know. that was in comics, but it wasn't real. It's I don't know. Maybe it's it's something that existed I, I, at one. I don't know. It existed in the continuity at one read, point. They've since gotten rid of it. I'll take your word for it. I years. I did a surprising amount of research. I was actually proud to have done the amount of research I did for this particular interview, and I still come off like a jackass. It's fine. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> I mean, no, that's what comics. No, 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 I'm talking about I'm talking about this interview in particular, like because this guy knows a lot of stuff. Like at one point, there's one comic book resources article I read. That had had him credited him as like credit, creating Lorelai and other characters that he didn't have, and nowhere in all the stuff did it say that he'd made Star Lord, which is an obvious omission. And so it's like, yeah. even in his biography on his website, I don't think he'd mention it. Uh-huh. So it's like, it's weird to me, like how these Star Lord old... was like a D-list character yeah. up until 2008. Yeah. So like, I mean, it's weird Ooh. to me, like how all these creators, and even he mentions it, like how weird it is for him to be like, I was doing this on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's weird to see this shit in a 300 million dollar movie. Right. <laughs> So anyway, I'm sorry I've been overdoing this, oh, but if you want to, if you want to go ahead and do an introduction, uh, you can do the introduction. You well, let's say our goodbyes, and then you do an introduction to the interview. All right, it's time to sign off, guys. Well, I'm David West. I'm Andrew Crowley, and I'm Gabriel Canada. And, and David the... left like five, ten minutes ago because he's the most sane of us. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, David West underscore K O E S. I'm on a Twitter hiatus at the moment. But you still have a Twitter. Yeah, but I'm not using it at the moment. All right, fair enough. He only comes out of, of his hibernation when uh, he's needed by Hydra on Twitter. <laughs> um, you can find me at just my name, Gabriel Canada, on Twitter. And you can find all of us at Kind of Epic Show. Um, so, off to, to Gabe. Um, well, this is kind of a, a two-parter thing here. Um, we met Steve Englehart, who is a Hoosier comic book artist, um, who had a decades-long career in comics and is now um, a full-time writer um, for television, um, cartoons, and for um, novels. Um, but he spent a huge chunk of time uh, at Marvel and had some really important characters that he created, both for Marvel and DC. Around three years on Captain America, um, a really important, tumultuous time for both the title and for America because it's the worst part of the Vietnam War and it's the Watergate year. So it brings Nixon into the comics, creates an amazing storyline that they're considering mining for the third Captain America film. And he also was the first person to, even though he didn't create the Falcon, his run was the first um, run with the Falcon in it. 
In fact, they changed the book's title to Captain America and the Falcon, so we couldn't really ask for a more timely guest um, other than maybe Ed Brubaker, who is still associated with, I mean, with the title so much. And is in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, in the, uh, he's one of the scientists. Yeah, expert, uh, fixing Bucky, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That's something I didn't even know. But we talk a lot about, about um, uh, current titles. I mean, just, just the politics of, of Marvel and, and comics in general and how much they've changed. Um the thing that hit me like a ton of bricks was just the fact that Cap was in jeopardy of cancellation because it was only selling 350,000 copies a, a month. That's insane. Can we move ahead to the interview here? <laughs> we can move ahead to the interview. You're uh, going to hear this amazing person talk about comics history, and I yeah. think you're going to be really wowed. Also important to mention, this is also the creator of Star-Lord. So without uh, Steve Englehart, you have a much less colorful Marvel Cinematic Universe. Enjoy the interview. some bad difficulties with the recording software and we wanted to remedy that. Right. I did not want to make your appearance moot <laughs> and I don't want to take up uh, too much more of your time here at the introduction other than to just say that we are so grateful um, to, to have you on board this week for, for Kind of Epic Show and um, if you don't mind me starting out I'm quite happy that we have a uh, a Hoosier comic art, or comic uh, author to talk about <laughs> and have on the show. That's something that we're quite happy to have as Hoosiers ourselves. And um, if you wouldn't mind uh, just kind of giving an introduction of yourself, since you know uh, yourself best, uh, what what was the, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what was the first uh, comic, or when did you start uh, start getting into um, writing comics, and what was the first title that, that you worked on? And, and if you can just tell uh, our audience a little bit about the career from there. Well, I was, you know... Um... I, as, as you say, I grew up in Indianapolis um, as a comic book fan. I went east to college. I was only a couple hours away from the companies, which were totally focused on New York City in those days. So I went down, got to know some people. Eventually, I ended up working uh, just as part of the comic book community. And uh, Gary Friedrich, uh, who had been writing Captain – or sorry, yeah, well, Captain somebody, Captain – one of the several of the war books, Nick Fury, all that stuff. He was also an assistant editor at Marvel, and he was a friend of mine. And he decided to leave Marvel for the summer, go back to Missouri, where he was from, and hang out. And asked if I would fill in for him at Marvel. And at the end of the summer, he decided not to come back. So I got the job permanently as a as a staffer, doing you know um, art corrections, writing corrections, writing letters, columns, doing all that kind of stuff around the bullpen. And then Gary had a six-page monster story that he didn't want to write. I think he was having a real nice time back in Missouri. Um, so uh, they, he sent it back to the office, and the office looked around and said, well, you know, this is a monster story. It doesn't mean very much. Why don't we give it to the new guy? And I liked writing it, and they liked what I wrote. So they said, well, you want to write some more? And I said, Okay. Um, and so for a little while I did like romance stories and Western stories, more monster stories, because that was how you trained in those days before you got to work your way up to the superheroes. But eventually I did that. And so the, the first comic that I ever worked on, the superhero comic was, uh, the beast in amazing adventures. Um, the X-Men had failed, uh, as a concept. And they were trying to figure out some way or other to revive those characters, so they put the Beast in his own series. And, it's fascinating. Uh, it, 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 
it meant nothing to me at the, at the time, but in retrospect, I was the only guy doing the X-Men there for a couple of years until the new X-Men came along and did their own thing. That's fascinating, because, because uh, I, I, I guess, guess they, they were just, they were just like, like, we made you write monster titles. Um, um, this guy looks, looks like Bigfoot. Like it's, it's, it's a match made in heaven. heaven. <laughs> but no, but no um, um, so yeah, you, so you started off there, so you did, at first you were both a writer and an artist, and you did art correction and other things on books. What drew you in the direction of designing to become a permanent author, become a permanent writer for the book? Well, as I say, I liked it. I had, you know, I had always thought that I would be an artist. That's what, you know, um, probably most intrigued me as a reader. And um, when I started trying to get into comics, I started trying to get in as an artist. Um, what I always say is I did stop being an artist about this time when I started doing all the writing. So I have no idea how good I would have been um, uh, you know, so I can't say if I should have stayed as an artist or whatever, but, uh, uh, I, I did like the writing and, um, you know, I mean, part of working at Marvel was to get a chance to write the superheroes or to be involved with the superheroes and, and, you know, they, they offered me the beast. They liked that. And then almost immediately they gave me Captain America and the Defenders. And then right after that, I got the Avengers. And then I got the Hulk and I got Luke Cage and, and Doc Savage. You know, I mean, there was just, if you wanted work, there was plenty of work to be had in a company like that. And so very quickly I was writing all the time. And, and, and so there was not, you know, I would have had to turn down several superhero book writing assignments in order to draw one, for example. So um, cost-effectively and, and fun-effectively and all that, it seemed like a better idea just to, to write all those characters rather than try to draw them. So that was the end of my artistic career. Uh, one of the interesting things about that period is that you were starting, um, uh, when you were starting writing, was one of the, you were one of the first writers um, to deal with uh, prominently um, characters of, of color in, uh, in superhero comics. Um, with right, right. Falcon, with Captain America, um, you had the Ancient One uh, in, uh, in Doctor Strange, um, you had Shang-Chi in Master of Kung Fu, which you, you wrote on, uh, and then you mentioned right, right. Um, Luke Cage and obviously... Um, and Power Man, they've got they've got some some interesting uh, interesting things that, that end up going in uh, into those books as well. Um, is that something that you were aware of at the time? I mean that that was that was new within not just the company, but I mean, but new um, within comics at large. Well, well you, know, you know, it was, it was 70s, 70s, and, 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 and um, uh, uh, you know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm basically a liberal, liberal so, so it, it all, it all it made sense, sense to me to treat every one, one of these guys, guys um, as a character. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I was given Captain, Captain America and the Falcon, Falcon it was called, and I had created Falcon, Stan had created Falcon, and he'd been written for a while, but, you know, I thought... Even, Even though, though you know, you know Captain, Captain America, America was obviously a, a bigger name and, and, and all that kind of stuff and, and everything else, else, it was it called Captain, Captain America the Falcon, and I thought the Falcon ought to have a prominent role in it. Um, it just seemed logical to me. I mean, uh, Even at one point of view, Ryan, you actually had the Falcon as a standalone. You had the Falcon actually the lead in the title because you had, um, near the, I believe it was near the end of the run, you had the Falcon 
actually leading the book. It was our cap had had stepped out right. of the the book for a while. Right. right. Well, well, you know, you know, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that, know, that just turns, turns out to be me. me. I had no <laughs> whole plan, but that just, it, just it just felt, felt like, like the right thing, thing to do. do. I mean, I'm, I'm reminded, reminded uh, later, later on when, when I took over Green Lantern, John Stewart was the Green Lantern at the time, and everybody said, "Well, of course he'll go away, and Al Jordan will come back." And, and I, I, it was, it the, was same the same deal. deal. I said, why? why? You know, I mean, he's too. Why? You know, why shouldn't he, you know, be half the book? And then pretty soon I said, why not throw in Guy Gardner? But I mean, it's always, it's always you know, you know I, 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 I never, I never look, look at any of these characters as being minor, minor characters, characters, you know. You know I, mean, I mean, some, some of them are obviously bigger sales draws or any that kind of stuff. I mean, as a commercial professional writer, you have to take that into account. But I mean, uh, you know, you know I, I, they gave they me Luke Cage. Cage. I mean, am I supposed to write Luke Cage like he's not the star of his own book or whatever? And so I, you know, I wrote the best, wrote the best Luke Cage I could. Um, that again, that's just me. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I couldn't treat any one of them as being a lesser. Character, it just didn't make sense to me. You know, and I'm going to be honest. There are some difficulties that you'd have to deal with, especially with a property like um, Masters of Kung Fu, because I think one of the the characters that they have because of the the rights of acquiring some of the older comics companies was, I think you actually had to have him literally battling people like Fu Manchu or son of Fu Manchu. <laughs> like, how did you? I mean, how did you have to? I mean, again, just dealing, knowing that the times that these were being written, like, how how did you have to deal with? Um, I mean, with with any worries about about sensitivity when you were dealing with with uh, essentially just things that hadn't hadn't necessarily been thought of before, because you have comics from from the 30s or 40s or, or 50s that I mean had some overt <laughs> racial stereotypes that are not not pleasant to, sure. to look back upon. I mean, is there? I mean, is it something that you were actively having to to, to weigh, or, or just knowing that you had to combat when you had a character like the son of Fu Manchu or some of those other villains from from Masters of Kung Fu that you yeah. had to deal with? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I was, I was aware, aware of it. Uh, I, I, you know, know I, I had read, read the Fu Manchu Man books, books back when I was a kid, kid you know, whatever. And, and, and even, even then understood that, that, you know, that, that it was a stereotype. stereotype. But, but what I said, and, you know, I mean, my, my, my stock response to that is, you know, you don't think that Dr. Doom is a stereotype of all that variance. You know, you, you know, just you think just that he's a supervillain, and, and so I treated Fu Manchu as a supervillain, super which didn't stop people from, you know, from writing in and saying, you know, but this guy is a racist stereotype, and, and all I could say was, yeah, but I'm, I'm treating him as a supervillain. You know, he's not evil because he's Chinese, he's evil because he, you know, creates rats that drop through the ceiling and eat your eyeballs, you know, so... And, 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 you know, you know Doctor Doom, Doom creates, creates robots, robots that shoot. shoot right? Right? It's, it's just like, like it's just a thing. thing. But, but there were certainly were people. people. I, mean, I mean, the deal with that was, was uh, Jim, Jim Starlin and I co-created Master of Kung Fu, and that's the character we wanted to do. But Roy was worried that there was Roy was the Roy Thomas, the editor in chief, was worried that there wasn't, you know, that there wasn't a market for an Asian character. I mean, again, it was the 70s, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, uh, there were... There Bruce was Lee was not at all, I mean, not, he didn't make any, any impact, impact on, on, on 70s, 70s pop culture. Not, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, well, I mean, there were there were areas of the South that wouldn't carry Luke Cage, for example. I mean, Luke Cage I didn't get on stands in, in some places, you know. So, I mean, that, that stuff... Oh, 
always goes on and was going on then. And so Roy felt that, you know, doing a totally Asian character might be not saleable, and so that's why, you know, Shang-Chi became half-white which is exactly the same thing that happened to the Kung Fu TV series. That was originally going to be Bruce Lee, and then when he didn't want to do it, they got David Carradine because then his mother could be white, and then you could, you know, you could go from there. Um, so even then, Roy thought that maybe if we were going to go down the Asian route, we should go for a classic Asian, and so it was Roy's idea to put Fu Manchu in there um, and make him the son of Fu Manchu, Again, I didn't have a problem with that. I mean, I liked Fu Manchu as a character. He was a totally different, came from a totally different reality from what I had envisioned for the Master of Kung Fu. But, you know, I could work with that. The, 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 the tension between the old China and the new China, all that kind of stuff. Um, the problem, of course, now is they can't reprint it because they don't have the rights. <laughs> to Fu Manchu anymore. I mean, he was an existing character. They licensed him so they could use him. And now, you know, they got all these comic books with a character that they can't, that they don't have the rights to, so they can't reprint that stuff. Which, you know, that's the only, it's the only regret I've got about the whole thing. I mean, I think, I think my Fu Manchu, uh, you know, was a credible, was a credible supervillain, and it's, it's one of that's those all I meant to do with it. It's, if it you want more, if you want to read more into it, go ahead. You know, but no, no I, I think the interesting, interesting thing, thing is that again, again, you were able, able to, 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 to take, take, take whatever you will. You were able to introduce several important images of color that not only are they a big part of the Marvel universe now, but they're also they're also now being translated to the big screen and 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 big multi hundred million dollar blockbusters that would otherwise not have people of color clearly. It's, it's kind of it's an kind important part because you just talked about about the page and the fact that, that that's an that's um, he's, he's getting his own standalone um, TV um, show that's coming up. That's part of why I wanted to, to bring him up. And the and same is true where I mean, with we'll probably be seeing I mean Shang Chi or some of those other characters as a part of the defenders the film property that they're they're facing all these Harlem heroes or all these New York heroes. And so that'll be that'll be interesting to see what comes to that. And you were part of the laying the ground. To, to, to make to that make possible, that possible. So, so we're happy I'm to have you happy on. To have <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of it's just a cool, just a cool segment cool of, of, of comic in, in general to talk about. And those aren't the only characters that you've introduced that have been brought to the small screen or the big screen. Is it true that you you wrote or originated Lorelai? 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 No, I think that was correct. But you did enjoy right. Kilowog, and that's a favorite. That's a favorite. That's a favorite. Kilowog and Guy Gardner. Um, Joe Staten and I co-created those guys, yeah. I created Star-Lord, who's going to be in the Guardians of the Galaxy this summer. I mean, it's it's kind of, it is very interesting to me that that stuff that I did to satisfy a monthly comic book audience 40 years, 40 ago, years ago, is now, is now showing up on showing the big up screen. On the, big screen. Um, uh, the next Captain the next America Captain movie America is supposed to be based yeah, on yeah, the yeah, I was gonna ask that. Captain America Captain thing America that I did, yeah. You came up, you came up with uh, the idea of... Uh, of, of, of to let the, the audience know if they're unfamiliar with this, with this run, you came up with the idea of reconciling the fact... I mean, that just annoy you as a creator, or as a writer, that you had all these inconsistencies. Wait a minute, he was frozen for 20 years. What are you trying to do? I have to pretend like he existed or not? You came up with an 
entirely new Captain America creator and, and made and a really a iconic really run, run as a result. As a result and now the, the, the writers, writers for, for the current film are saying that they intend to bring him in as the antagonist for the third film. So can you can you explain about the thought process behind doing that in your own run and just comment a bit more about that? Sorry for interrupting there. That's all right. Well, as you said, I mean, Marvel continuity was a was a special thing. I mean, that was this again was in like 1973, I think, and you know, the first Fantastic Four had been like 1961, so it was only 12 years really that this had been going on, and so it was perfectly possible to have a consistent continuity. I mean, that's what Stan had started, and and there was no reason for that to break as yet. Later on, when it got to be much too long, they you know people have had to deal with that. But at the time, um, the continuity was the continuity, and in fact, Captain America had been frozen all the way through the fifties, according to Marvel continuity. And yet, we had these nice. Uh, there had been a Captain America in the fifties, and. It had nice Johnny Romita artwork on it and all this kind of stuff, and it's like, well, is there any way the commie pressure? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was very anti-communist. You know, the fifties—that's what it was. But uh, um, and you know, the character in the actual fifties comics was not any sort of uh, over-the-top right-wing guy. But in the, in, you know, I mean, that was the first series that I did for Captain America. I mean, when I took it over, I really wanted to play up who... i gotta, I got to take a, a little detour here. Captain America, the book, had been in really bad shape because it was Vietnam wartime, and a lot of people just really, the target audience, the, you know, the young male audience of comic books, was worried about getting drafted and being sent off to war, so they were not real thrilled with a guy who stood for the Stars and Stripes at that time, and my contribution was to say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter what any particular American government is doing at any particular time, because Captain America stands for the stuff that they taught us in school, the, you know, the, the things about America that we were all taught on, on the way, and the, the, you know, the, the timeless uh, principles. And so to show that, the whole getting the 50s guy and having him be more of a man of his time rather than a man of all time, um, that was my thought process. I mean, all putting all that stuff together, uh, I ended up with the, you know, with the run that I had. And six months, that was a four-month run, and six months after I started it, Captain America was, was Marvel's number one book. I, I say that, you know, I mean, I'm not. I'm not giving you humble brag. I mean, yeah, I'm happy that it happened, but, but, um, you could do that in those days. I mean, you know, books sold routinely half a million copies, three quarter of a million copies, three hundred fifty thousand was the point where if they dropped below that, they were in danger of cancellation, and that's where Captain America was down near the three hundred fifty thousand mark. Um, but with that kind of volume. Um, you know, it isn't the case today. I mean, if, if somebody says to you, hey, you know, there's this really cool comic that just came out, if you go down to your store, you're very likely not going to get it because the guy didn't order enough. You know, he ordered as many as he thought he would sell, and that's what he wanted to do. But in those days, you know, you could always go down to the newsstand, and there'd be three or four copies of, of everything 
there. And so it was easy for people to jump on the Captain America bandwagon when a bandwagon was created. And, um, you know, and, and, but that's just how the business was. I mean, it was, it was quick. Um, things happened fast. And, you know, if, if people got to like Captain America, then a lot of people got to like Captain America real quick. So, um, again, it's just, I was trying to figure out how to keep this book from being canceled. Um, and, and that's, that's the route that I took, I and so I find it just odd. That, I mean, odd, I guess, is the right word, but I mean, it's, you know, it's been a while since I did that, and 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 the fact that uh, now they're making movies about it and, and so forth is, uh, you know, it's a testament life. to the storytelling. <laughs> it's, uh, well, hopefully it's a testament to the storytelling, because, uh, again, we didn't touch it, we didn't get uh, around because you're giving a lot of context for for what Captain America was like there, because you can't, the interesting thing about that is you, you understand kind of like almost the totemic quality of the character, because it's, it's Captain America, he's got America in his name, and this is during the Vietnam yeah. War, and so it's important to, to point out where Captain America was in the run, because it's linked to, it's in a way that many other titles aren't, it's linked to popular culture in America, you also had to write during the Watergate era, and brought that into into your, your run on Captain America. So it's, it's something that is can't be separated, and it's what makes possibly this film more compelling, is, uh, you know, I mean, is, is the fact that, 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 that it's, it, it, it's able, able to, to get, get a contemporary context as well. well. It's a character that, that, that identifies whatever, whatever era America is going on with as well. And so I think, I think that's part, yeah. of, part, of, part of the, the, the good, good thing, thing about the character and about, about your particular run. So what, um, but, but, but the thing that was most interesting here, what we started talking about was the fact that you had, you had to reconcile the continuity that there was, and, and, and your way of doing that was to say, say there, were there were two Captain Americas. So where, so where, when did that happen? And yeah, and if you can explain, that's going to be essentially the protagonist or the antagonist for the third film is Cap fighting Cap, or at least another version of Captain America. Yeah, well, uh, you know, as I say, I, I wanted, I'm not sure what I, you know, what I haven't said about this already. Um, <laughs> it was, you know, I wanted him to be sort of a man for all time. And so that, you know, it turned out, again, that was just instinct. I mean, I was not a professional writer, really, at that point, but it was just instinct to do that. And, and what it did set up was that, you know, he was always sort of in conflict with the contemporary reality. I mean, sometimes more than others, obviously. But, I mean, because he kind of was the eternal American ideal, um, and then, you know, time and space, you know, America went through periods and all this kind of stuff. So it, it made him then uh, somebody... You know, I mean, we all we all like that stuff. You know, we like what he stands for. And if you know, and if we're not happy, or if we are happy with what's going on, seeing how that guy relates to it is is something that a lot of people got into. Uh, yeah. So as far as the '50s guy, I mean, I just said yes, he existed, and then I had to figure out, you know, how he how it could be that he would have been, he would exist, he would completely go away. Uh, nobody would have mentioned it to Cap, our Cap, to that point, all that kind of stuff. That was fun. I mean, I liked, that was the kind of stuff I liked to write, was to, you know, to take stuff and, and really think it through, really try to figure out how, you know, if this were going to happen, how would this really happen, you know, and, and, and that's 
something that I've always enjoyed doing. And then, and then I, want I want to talk about, about some of the, the original, um, I mean, we've already talked about original characters that you created for the Marvel Universe, but you also created um, original characters um, in, in your own uh, kind of uh, comics uh, universe and continuity with uh, Nightman. Um, when, uh, can you tell the audience a bit about, about Nightman? And uh, I can admit to, to being a kid and enjoying the cartoon and the TV show. This is in my demographic here. I'm happy to get a chance to talk about that title. Yeah, well, um, Malibu Comics had been the publisher for the Image guys, and then the Image guys went off and formed Image, uh, which left Malibu with a lot of cash on hand because they'd been publishing the Image books, but they didn't have the Image people anymore. So they decided, let's do what Image did, except Image got a lot of top artists. Why don't we get a bunch of writers and build a universe out of writing? Um, so, you know, however they got to that thought process, they asked me and they asked Steve Gerber and they asked Jerry Jones and, and you know, uh, Mike Barr, other people, to come in and create this universe. And each of us got to create our own characters, but we were also working out how they would all fit into the into the same universe. It was really a lot of fun. They took us all to a, to a resort in uh, Arizona outside Phoenix, and we were there for three or four days doing nothing except either in rooms or by the pool or late at night, whatever, just, you know, thinking, you know, being creative, which it was, which was really fun, obviously, if you're a creative person. Um, and my characters were the Nightman and the Strangers, which was the group. Um, Nightman, um, you know, was a, was a, did well. I mean, they don't both did well in terms of the comic, but, Two years after we launched, or a year after we launched, I guess, in 93, Marvel went bankrupt, and they took the entire industry down with them. And Malibu fell less fast, less fast than anybody else. I mean, there was a lot of interest in Malibu, and people did like that stuff. But eventually, all that money that they had piled up got used up, and they had to sell. And Marvel bought them, and... Um, the contracts that they had given us as creators say that we get 5% of the money generated by the comics. And because of that, um, you know, it was a great step forward for creativity at the time. But because of that, Marvel has never published those characters after they bought them. And I would expect that they never will publish them after they bought them, um, which is, you know, which is a shame because, if you remember them, they, they were likable characters. But I think Marvel's deal, I mean, this is just my supposition after, you know, having been through this, you know, talking about this with these guys for years and years and years. It's not, they don't, well, they wouldn't want to pay me 5% of any Nightman comic, but they also wouldn't want the guy who's writing the X-Men or the Fantastic Four or Spider-Man to come around and go, well, how come I can't get 5%? You know, I mean, if they did if they did our books, it would pretty much become the Marvel standard. You'd have a hard time explaining to those guys why they couldn't have the same deal, and so Marvel doesn't want to go down that road, and so they don't go down that road. Um, what was tricky about it was that Nightman got bought as a TV series, um, and uh, so then Nightman um, was, was, you know, did two seasons – 22 episodes each of, of uh, its TV series-ness, 
And Marvel, you know, didn't back it up at all. I mean, there was no Nightman. And you would, it's just a no-brainer, you would think. But there was no Nightman comic when there was a Nightman TV show. Um, that was, you know, that was disappointing. That was, you know, that was frustrating. But um, I got to work on the TV show. I mean, you know, and so there were there were also upsides to this whole thing. But that uh, the Ultraverse, this we're all talking about the Malibu Ultraverse here. All those characters, I'm afraid, will never be seen again. And I do think that's a shame. I was a fan of, of them when I was a kid. I thought it was interesting in in seeing a live action in a cartoon because I I can remember a lot of superhero cartoons obviously as a kid, but not a lot of superhero live action things. So and it, it's all way it was kind of an, a neat uh, a neat uh, space filler, and that and that that was something that was at least for a couple of seasons there in the '90s. That was probably um, the solitary kind of superhero on on TV. So that was. I, enjoyed it as a kid yeah yeah well malibu was you know malibu uh, i you know i don't know what the people and the people involved were creative to start with and then they'd been you know part of the whole proto image thing so they didn't you know they thought a lot larger than most people in the business did and i mean from the start um when we were working out these contracts and when we were creating all this stuff i mean they were not they were looking for the comics but they were also looking for multimedia uh expansions of it as just sort of a business model and of course that's the way they all companies operate today but really malibu was ahead of its time marvel and and dc hadn't really put much energy into thinking about uh you know doing stuff i mean there was like the flash tv show and it kind of sat there and went away and nobody tried to to leverage it or do anything with it it was all that all that stuff was very strange to to the people who had spent their lives doing comics now that the businesses are all owned by movie studios it's not strange at all but uh, in those days so malibu was really way out in front in 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 a lot of areas um really a good company and you know just too bad that the circumstances took it out now um, I'm going to switch gears here again and talk about some of the work that you did at, at DC. I think a favorite here, and I'm going to going to go out on a tiny bit of a limb. But you said uh, you created the Laughing Fish, Brian, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah. They had um, yeah. Your 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 whole idea was that the the patent bureau wouldn't give him a license for uh, for livestock or for an animal. So that essentially that it was taking too much credit for nature. And like, but now you got like Monsanto and people out there who will do that. And I was gonna say, what's more disturbing, the fact that that um, or who's more disturbing in that, like the the Joker or or Monsanto? Like he could run Monsanto right now. <laughs> they can they'd be marketing the Killing Fish all over the place. They probably could. I mean, um, you know, I'm. I'm not totally on top of the whole modified corn, beet <laughs> corn thing, you know, but I mean, it's like, I know about it and, and, um, I'm, I'm not interested in eating modified corn or drinking milk with hormones in it or any of that kind of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, a child of nature or anything, but I, I'd rather eat the stuff that actually was created by nature rather than, rather than otherwise. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the laughing fish, uh, I really, I wanted the Joker to be insane. I mean, the Joker had been uh, the class clown for years and years and years, and then and then Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams had sort of made him darker, uh, but he still wasn't really, you know, just, I wanted a guy, 
I wanted to do something that you would say to yourself as a reader, that's completely nuts, and at the same time, understand what it was. I mean, he wasn't just talking in tongues or, you know, heading off into the, you know, into some fever dream. He had a plan, and you could you could see what the plan was. It just it, it was it was nuts. Um, that's what I wanted to get across there, and and um, uh, you know, once again. I, there's no way I could have said, "Oh yes," and the Laughing Fish will still be famous, <laughs> you know, 40 years from now. But again, life is funny. I think I think I, um, it, it got introduced to me as a kid because it was on the uh, the animated show. <laughs> they had an episode with that. Right. I thought it was just right. absolutely hilarious. But at the same time, it, it it was part of that that darker Joker vein that even even translates there in the in the the cartoon or in popular. Culture. So you said it, you were you were dealing with the Joker, kind of the post Batman live action show years. So he needed a little bit of uh, of darkening up at that at that time, and I think that was a was a cool way to do it. So, gosh, um, I had uh, had another question here about uh, about what you were talking about in terms of relationships with uh, creators and and like the big film adaptations. I know recently Jerry Conway um, had started a bit of a campaign to try and go to the um, uh, to the premiere for the Amazing Spider-Man, since they were adapting some of his work. Have you ever been to any of the premieres um, when when your work was with some of what was being adapted? Um, Marvel invites me, but I live uh, in the San Francisco area, and Marvel's West Coast premiere is always in Los Angeles, which is a five-hour drive. Um, um, and so every time a new movie comes out, they send me an invitation, and I say, "Well, why don't you, you know, do it? Why don't you run it out up here in the Bay Area?" Um, and they go, "No." <laughs> um, I actually, uh, I've got good friends at Pixar, which which is ten minutes from my house, and they're also a Disney company, and they have a state of the art theater over there, as you might imagine, since they make movies. Um, and so, um, you know, when when the Thor movie came through. Um, four months ago, whatever it was, uh, I went over to Pixar and, and saw it over there, and I expect to go over and see the new Captain America movie the same way. Um, but that's unofficial. That's, I mean, again, Marvel's heart's in the right place, but their movie isn't, you know. Uh, so it's me geographically. Uh, statement there. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's the, you know, it's it's. Uh, I don't know what image you and the listeners, you know, have of California, but I know a lot of people on the East Coast kind of think, well, it's all California. You must be able to just sort of run back and forth, but it's a pretty big place, you know. So um, I, if, if it was, you know, when the third Captain America movie comes out, if it is, you know, heavily based on my stuff, I probably will take them up on it. I'd probably go to Los Angeles to see that. But uh, um, in general, I'm happy to go to the multiplex. <laughs> and see the stuff over there. But certainly Jerry should get invited. You know, he killed Gwen, Gwen Stacy, so, you know, that would be uh, – he should get invited. And I, I probably do, but I, I'm not sure where he lives now. Um, I'm sure they have premieres in both New York and Los Angeles, but I'm not sure where he lives. So, anyway. I think I think. Oh gosh, I, I don't know if I should put a spoilers tag. Oh gee, <laughs> for the, the 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 next film, we'll see. But no, gosh, I, I just want to say thank you so much for 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 coming uh, and and being a part of the the show this week. It's a pleasure talking to you at at Indiana Comic Con this year. And um, 
I guess, I mean, just in that Comic-Con context and, and being a kind of Hoosier-centric podcast, being mostly based here in, in Indianapolis, I was going to see um, if uh, if you had any thoughts about, about that show, about uh, Indiana Comic-Con, or about um, kind of impact of of, uh, of people like yourself from, from Indiana on, on comics. Any, anybody else who, who stands out for you? Or? Well, I think, I you know, I, I don't want to overlook anybody. My sense of people from Indiana who have worked in comics is that most of them have been, you know, more production type people. Um, I'm probably overlooking some superstar <laughs> that I should mention, but, but you know, um, so I'm not sure, uh, you know, who else from Indiana I should mention, but uh, I thought the show was, you know, I mean, the show was was packed as people, you know, uh, anybody who was there will know that half the people with tickets couldn't even get in the door because they yeah. <laughs> totally underestimated uh, how big a space they needed. Uh, they say next year they'll, when they come back, they tell me they're going to have three times the space, and which, you know, which makes sense. Um, it was fun for me. Uh, I... Oddly enough, I had never been invited to any show in Indiana. I mean, there haven't been that many, but uh, I had never, you know, I'd never gone back to Indiana for a, you know, for a show before. So it was fun for me to do that. And, um, you know, I mean, I left Indianapolis in 1965 to go to college, uh, and my family still lives there, and I come back, you know, regularly. But I hadn't spent, you know, three days plunked right in downtown uh, ever, you know, so it was fun for me also just to go out and walk around and, you know, see how much it had changed. Um, I'd seen, you know, I'd seen the changes over the years, but just to go walk the streets and, and, and you know, be right downtown, so all of it was fun as far as I was concerned, and it certainly was a good show. I would think anybody listening to this should plan on going next year, you know. Well, gosh, I mean, and just in closing, I want to kind of uh, turn the, the floor back over to you and just see um, if you can let people know where they can find you online, um, what they should be looking out for. Um, on We haven't talked about the books. <laughs> Sorry. And so absolutely where they can find um, find your work uh, in terms uh, of your novels as well as your comics and uh, where, can they, where they can find you online and, again, what they should be uh, on the lookout for. Well, my website is just steveenglehart.com, um, and I, you know, for years, um, you know, being, you know, having written some stuff that people were interested in, for years people would email me or write me letters back before there was email or whatever, saying, well, can you tell me about this, that, or the other thing? So on that website, I just sort of put down everything, uh, you know, I, I gave a commentary on everything that I did, uh, hopefully letting people you know, find it on the internet rather than rather than having to write me a letter. Um, so the website is pretty comprehensive. Um, and as far as what I'm doing now, I you know I haven't done comics now for about ten years. I uh, the business changed quite a bit. I uh, you know when I was doing all this stuff back in the '70s, they did give us cre- complete creative freedom, and you don't get that anymore. And I got used to it. I mean, that's just what I learned. That's how I learned to do it. So. Uh, I didn't really feature the idea of doing some sort of subset of what I could do um, under the new rules. So I moved over to novels, um, and the books uh, are out by Tor Books. You can get them on Amazon. 
um, the long man, the plain man, the arena man are the ones that are out at this point. Um, it's a sort of it's sort of a mashup of a bunch of stuff. I in in words of one syllable, it's kind of you've got a, magi- a magician, a Doctor Strange sort of magician, sort of who's living off the grid, and then you've got essentially the one percent, the guys who were sort of running, you know, the government from behind the government on the other side, also off the grid. And it's a shadow war really between these two two opposing forces, uh, the people who want to lock everything down and the guy who wants to open everything up. And, you know, each book is a standalone story, but it also is part of the overall thrust of the thing. And, uh, you know, if you like my stuff, I would – you know, I would encourage you to go to Amazon or or anywhere else, and uh, you know, just look for my name, and you'll find the books. Can we find you on on the the Twitter? <laughs> Can we find you on any any social media out there? Not really. Um, I I have a Facebook page, but I don't ever put anything on it. I'm I'm, you know, I'm not. Uh, that's you know that's a that's a different era as well and i you know i don't i'm not one of those guys who says all oh, these kids today you know i mean it's like no that's all cool but it's just not my thing so um uh i have a facebook page i have a twitter account and and but i never use that either and every once in a while i get those things saying you know we're going to follow you and i'm like too bad cuz i'm not going anywhere <laughs> uh <laughs> uh yeah, I just you know I write and 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 that's enough for me. So uh, thank you so much for for your time. This is truly the the last part. You've been very gracious with your with your time today, especially with our technical difficulties. So um, we we generally start the interview and promote it by doing a bit of a of a stinger or a tag at the beginning, um, which is just you um, introducing yourself. So you would just say, "I'm Steve Englehart." And you're listening to kind of epic show. And if you'd like, you can of course do any kind of plug. You can talk about any of the stuff that you've written, um, or you can put the the name of the website on there as well. And the plug is uh, because it's it's to promote you more than than anything. So um, is it? Or would you be all right with doing that? Sure. Um, so whenever you're ready. Okay. Um, I'm Steve Englehart, and you're listening to Kind of Epic Show. Uh, you can find everything you want to know about me at my website, steveenglehart.com, but you can find the really cool stuff on this podcast. All right. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you, a pleasure meeting you, and I hope you have uh, a great week. We should have this up um, by next week's show. Okay, cool. Thanks. All right. Goodbye. Hey listeners, this is Micus, creator of the kind of epic theme song, Zombie Kids. If you're interested in finding out more about my music, you can check me out at micusmusic.com. Also, I am on iTunes, Facebook, and SoundCloud. You can look me up as Micus Music, and that's M-I-K-U-S, and you know the rest. Alright, peace out everyone. Keep listening.